eyes up, don't get all tied up Hoping you wise up the multiple lies of the multi-faceted, multi-complex system of living that people are living Stuck in inertia, that's a diversion, government worship, instead we are searching Ancient mysteries, ancient history, sacred energy, and how to discern it Human autonomy, truth of philosophy, ufoology, human psychopathy, super anomalies, human ecology You got lobotomies up in your consciousness, all the thoughts that we've been dancing around The system wants to blow your candle out, but we won't let it, we reject it with our pathetic lies So we chant it down to chant it down i'm your host loomis chantdownradio.com is the website this is episode 230 and welcome back for another episode we live in a world of pretend we live in a world where people put on a certain uniform that makes them somehow superior to others people masquerade behind these uniforms we live in a world where paper has value and people die over pieces of paper or digits on a screen. We live in a world where a piece of paper can tell you that you're free or not. It's all fiction that we take this very seriously. One role in this society it is that, that of police, something so embedded and accepted in our society that is so wrong, so embedded that we we have to actually dig it out of what people consider normal life to examine it. And many people have a hard time with this one. Many people have friends and family who play the role of an officer, and many people picture a world of chaos without these people. So yet these are the people who defend whatever they're told by the controllers, even if it's immoral, and they are the enactors of tyranny, the actual ones who cause the harm. And this is why there is chaos. This is how millennia of corruption, corruption and violence has occurred. The henchmen for the dark elites, the police and the military, those who defend the state. I've invited on two great high cal caliber truth speakers who understand our natural law rights and understand at heart the true fundamentals of human freedom. We have returning guests, Sean McCann of Wake the Dead podcast and James Cordner of Hitchhiker's Guide to Truth podcast. Together, they come and form together the Black Pill Digest. It's a very in-depth study of subjects that nobody wants to talk about, but I'm glad to have you guys on. So welcome. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor to be invited. And uh, you're, you're our, you were guest on Black Pill Digest episode one. And uh, it's great to see uh, an old friend again. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah. And James, welcome, welcome back. First, for, welcome for the first time. Loomis, dude, thanks for having me. What a, uh, what an absolutely stellar intro there, buddy. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Well, um, I'm super. I'm pumped to be here. I'm I'm happy to to be with you guys. This is a, a very important subject that a lot of people might not want to listen to, but it's very important that they 
separate their emotional reaction to the things that we may explore this evening and to really take the time to logically process this information in order to actually have a better foundation to stand on when it comes to either confronting or uh, having to deal with these costumed thugs, this gang of badged, uh, violent, aggressive thugs that parade our streets on a daily basis. So I'm really happy to to be here to discuss this, man. Thank you. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I mean, so it is a hard subject for a lot of people to dig out and actually look at because like i was saying it's so embedded in our society that people think it's right i just think it's just part of society and that we need it and um so today we're going to talk about police and the origin of where it came from and the conscious choice of police the police make to enslave others when they put on the uniform uh we got clips we got talking points we got stories and more um I wanted to just before we get started, I just wanted to say I, I want to it's important for me anyway to differentiate from what the left wing, mostly mostly peaceful protesters in quotes were saying and doing in 2020 versus what we're trying to illustrate today, because they, they these police, they don't only serve to enact racism. I mean, that's that's not the full picture there they serve to enact tyranny on anyone they are told and so that's 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 where this black lives matter communist crowd gets it wrong it's it's not just a racial thing i mean sure some cops are racist but um it goes much deeper and it's about a group of people with badges following orders without making conscious judgment whether something is morally right or wrong and we're talking about a cult that doesn't know it's a cult so we're trying to pull that out right. and take a look so i just wanted to say that before we get started to anybody who's like oh what are they talking about here so that's well it. the the key element you just said it yourself that they don't choose with their own free will what they are doing with their actions and in that that is wrong like that is morally wrong because you may be enacting harm to another. Like we we understand the the principles of do no harm and take no shit. Well, they do harm for a living. That's their job. And every time they put on that uniform, they go to work. So oh, let's see who I'm going to harm today. You know, and um, that's how they feed their family. Uh, they might, you know. All cops are bad are bad. Like if people say all cops are bastards, I say bad because bastard has its own connotations, but sure. A, a cab uh is legit. Like even your dad, even your uncle, they are all bad because they follow orders. If they don't follow orders, then they're fired. And then they're not cop anymore. Right? The yeah. only good cop is one that quits. So uh any cop that is currently still a cop is choosing to follow orders that are morally wrong they harm others that's their entire job coercion and violence against us and the uh, you know the idea of the black and the the race thing that is somewhat related to policing and we'll get into that but it's the you said it communism that's what it is they're the way that 
that uh, that Marx had his ideas of um, economics and having the the minority of the economic minority taking over the reins of production that has been uh, translated into racial minority and it's the economic it's not the economic reins but the reins of making a normal society making like oh you're white privilege because your society serves you and it doesn't serve me so i'm going to tear it down and so basically it's it's creating a wedge between blacks and whites because in the beginning days when uh the we might talk about the uh, uh bacon's rebellion the the poor whites and the blacks banded together against the rich owners of the society and then the owners were like whoa whoa and then that's when policing became a thing so uh like it's uh there's a lot to it but the 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 communist ideal of tearing taking away the uh the the uh the society from the larger group is the same as the the proletariat taking away the economics from the the landlords right it's just it's the same urge within and it's the same like feeling that's being harnessed by the controllers and they're wielding it in the same way um just today it's uh cultural and you know the most minority of all is the transgender like they barely exist as people but we all have to like bow down to their whims. And so that, that goes to show like they're trying to turn it all upside down, you know, satanify society. But, um, but the, the police, um, they, they're not just for the blacks. They're here to keep us all down and we'll get into that later. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I think it's good to just put that out there too because yes there is racism within no doubt but uh, mm-hmm. we got to look at this bigger picture because like, like you said way back you know the the poor blacks and the poor whites band together and uh right i think they're just trying to put a wedge between everything they can and right. make it all backwards and inverted that's what satanists do yeah. <laughs> that's right man that's yeah. right um, so I guess, I don't know where you want to start. Do you want to you, take the reins? You know what? Um, you had some stuff about the origins I, that I might not know even. So yeah. maybe you could, uh, bring us through there. And is that cool with you, James? You, did you have anything you want to get? Yeah, James. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I mean, we, we can, we can start there for sure. Um, okay. I think that it's important that the, that the listening audience understands that when we say all cops are bad, um, uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest. There are actions that these that these people that these people in these costumes that they do that can be looked at as a good deed, right? I mean, let's be let let's be completely honest about that. You know, when they break right. up a domestic dispute, when they go and catch a kidnapper, when they stop or when they, you know, these various different deeds that they do can be looked at as good deeds. But when you're working with a group of people whose very foundation is built off of such an immoral system, the institution itself is bad, and therefore all participants within that institution by default are also bad. 
And by bad, I mean immoral. Right. So good, bad, moral, immoral. That's, this is, these are the, the interchangeable words that we need to be able to express to the audience in order for them to understand what we mean when we say bad and when we say good. Right. So yes. we're talking about morality here. We're talking about freedom versus slavery, good versus evil. And these people, they are the, uh, they are the actors of the immoral order following that the ruling class, they need dogs to go out and perform these orders to initiate harm and perpetuate the slavery that condition of slavery that we're all in and to you know that is what continues this condition of slavery right so the only good cop is one that stops being a cop there's a lot of anarchists out there that will say the only good cop is a dead cop wrong they deserve a chance to change right they are human life they are life and all life is precious right i am a firm firm student and firm proponent of that idea. We're so, here to change their minds. Exactly. That's, yes. that's where it's we want, we want them to change their minds. Right. And it all starts with speech and they're doing evil deeds and they need to be made aware of that and they need an opportunity to change. And then we go forward from there. If they choose not to change, well then, I don't know. Maybe that's then we got a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a different discussion. But I mean, I just want to make sure that, like, while we're at the beginning here, that we're starting with our best foot forward, and that we really try, like, really try to get to the because this is a heavy topic that a lot of people will be like, "Oh, but this guy, he saved that cop, saved my aunt, or something like that." And it's like, well, cool. But I just want to make sure that, like, we save yeah. something. I said yeah. something like that to the audience to make sure that they know what we mean. Yeah. The things yeah, we no, said. That, that's good. Cause I wanted to differentiate all this before we start. Cause there's a lot of people that can take this the wrong direction so easily. So it, like I say, we have to kind of dig this out to, for people to see it because it's just such a part of society where people, that people accept. Yeah. And we're, we're, we as a we as a species we as as living beings within like within reality uh having free will we are meant to explore and to push the boundaries and to fulfill our potential as free-willed beings and it's this ruling class who have their who have their enforcement class and these are the people that are stopping us from being able to exercise our free will and to fulfill our obligation to reality and to the universe as beings within it to to exercise our free will and to and to be to be sovereign right. truly sovereign and um right. this is the big problem with the police and order followers in general and so and so it's also very important that people understand and if you're a police officer hearing this um you need to ask yourself if the it, when it comes to the laws of behavioral consequence when it comes to karma uh, i want police officers who may hear this to ask themselves who's going to be held more morally culpable you or the people that are giving you the orders 
So that that's a very important question for you to ask yourself. And the answer is the order follower is always more morally culpable than the order giver. So right. you, yes. you know, this is very important. And I want to talk, I, I, uh, I think my little diatribe here about that part is over for now. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. So, uh, I, that, you know, I, that's really important, James, that, uh, people understand that we're not, we don't want boogaloo. We're not trying to get people ready to go hurt cops. You know, this is, no. <clears throat> they have, they're like afflicted mentally, you know, and we need compassion for them. And, um, you know, we recognize that authority is an illusion. They don't, you know, they, they have the potential to get there. Like we got there. I used to be a statist. Like I used to follow orders when I was in school or whatever. I used to, you know, follow stupid orders there. I'm just, and I've grown out of that. Like, you know, I've grown up and they maybe they have the chance to change too. You know, everybody, we are, our lifetime is, you know, an infinite potential to change every moment we have a chance to change. And, you know, every day is a, is new experience for them. And, you know, maybe somebody that they know will hear this and they will be like, Hey man, why are you a cop? And maybe, you know, maybe we're putting out these vibrations and maybe it will make an effect, but that's, that's really how we do it. Like you said, with our voice and that's, you know, and, and hitting people's ears, it, uh, it affects the causal realm as opposed to the symptoms of, you know, the, the guy on the street with his, you know, a cop's knee on his neck, like that's a symptom. The problem is that cop thinks he should. And all those people standing there around it aren't running over there and stopping that cop from doing it. You know, there's many things went wrong that day and everybody's mad about black or white, you know, because that anger was co-opted and then it's used for their objectives. Uh, if we can step back and see the truth of what was really happening, doesn't matter what color the dude was. Doesn't matter he was in a costume. It matters that he thinks he can do that to another person. He thinks it's moral, right. like that moral relativism is insidious and it's everywhere and it's the cause of so many of the problems of you know, and uh, being able to step back and take a look at the reality then we can see what it really is. And, you know, we can uh, you know, strip away all those uh, division topics of black or white or whatever, um, whatever they're getting us angry about. Just recognize that, you know, that who cares if that dude was on fentanyl or whatever, like it, it, it shouldn't have happened. Like that dude shouldn't have been there yelling mommy and peeing himself while that other dude had his, his knee on his neck, you know, and everybody wants to argue on, Oh, he was on drugs. That's why he died. Or, Oh, that, that cop, you know, who it's, it's all horrific from all, you know, and the fact that the people weren't stopping it, they were just yelling at him like, Oh, I'm a nurse filming it. It's just, it's so, uh, it's just, it hurts my heart to see that people are so yeah. messed up in their heads that 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 situation would play out like it did and then it continued to play out they would burn down their own cities like in philadelphia like i i went to visit uh leah in philadelphia a friend of mine and i we wanted to i it was like right after 
that whole BLM riots hit Philly and I needed some shorts. All I had was like long jeans and it was a hot summer day and I wanted to go to the family dollar and get like some $10 shorts or some shit. And the entire inside was like empty and all the sidewalks had picnic tables set up and people that just robbed that store set up a table on the sidewalk selling the same items that they had looted a couple days ago and there's nothing that anybody could do and i went inside and i was like oh no shorts and they're like nope we got looted i was like shit and i go outside and the dude's sitting in his chair on his phone you know like whatever what do you want i was like can i get a pair of shorts he's like 25 bucks i was like are you kidding me like it would have been 10 inside i mean it was it was already going to be too much money and like now i have to pay the the tax to this thug that like you know just robbed like it's unimaginable and the cops are just allowing the, the them to set up shop right there on the sidewalk and like oh yep these are all the stolen items like it's just what is going i mean it's obvious that they want total chaos in these cities they want it to be to for the people that live there to have learned helplessness um but it's just it's almost laughable what they're not protecting and serving you know obviously and they're not protecting the property of people and you know they're allowing this to have i mean they could go down there and be like hey uh don't sell these items on the sidewalk right in front of the store you just robbed you know, they could have, been, you know, they could just ask at least and, you know, but whatever. I mean, it, uh, Philly is a hell pit. It's really bad. Uh, you should, if anybody wants to see, go on YouTube and look up Kim Gary, K-I-M-G-A-R-Y. And that they, they take videos of Huntington Avenue, uh, like where all the, all the junkies are instead. There's every day it's a new video and it's like, holy crap, dude. And like, they got so much police there and they got, so, you know, it's obviously not helping. <clears throat> so, but that's a totally different show. Sorry. I got a little off track there. Loomis. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Oh, your voice, uh, your shit. It happened again. Here. Uh, there it is. Okay. You're good. You good. Got me in. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say there's this guy named Charlie Bow. He's a YouTuber. He goes through all the worst areas of the United States and does dash cam. And um, I'd say Philadelphia looks like the worst of the worst. He goes through some of the really yeah, crazy areas there that are like North Philly or in Kensington, I think it is. Oh, man. Yeah, Junkies Kensington everywhere. is the word. That's the one. Yeah. And I went through there like, you know, just trying to go to the laundromat and the GPS took me through and like the street, you couldn't see the road. It was all trash. And like the people were laying on the road. Like I had to stop at a stop sign and there were like three or four cars in front of me and people were like shooting up right there, laying in the street, trash all over the place. Um, you know, it's obviously people don't live in that area. So all the buildings are all like vacant and like squatters and it's just, uh, and they just let it fester, it gets worse and worse. It's really sick. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, cops don't solve that, you know. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the the important thing to really remember and to and to really you know have to learn about uh, about all of this, and Sean mentioned that moral relativism is in i'll say it a little different than he did moral relativism is the source 
the one source of all of the suffering that's leading us into this condition of slavery, uh, further and further into this condition of slavery that we're already in, and it's just getting worse and worse. And the culprit is moral relativism, right. and and like that is the and it's the it's the cops it's the cops' job to enforce moral relativistic laws, arbitrary laws that are passed down to them from these legislatures and these governmental bodies that make them up and write them down. And they even, I, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all imaginary. Like, they'll, I, totally I have, um, if I can find, I, anyways, I've been pulled over and I've asked because I've asked the police officer that morning when I got pulled over straight up if they passed a law that was a clear violation of human rights, would you enforce that law? And he said, I wouldn't answer it on camera. Wow. <laughs> so he would like to answer that off the, off the clock. Right. So that to me is a sign of like, he's scared to say that he wouldn't enforce a law. He cared for his job. His list of priorities is clear to me. Right. And I'm saying that, you know, man, we, we have a lot to worry about when it comes to these people. No matter how many good, like I mentioned before, no matter how many good deeds an individual might be able to perform, it's all under the umbrella of moral relativism, and we should be very cautious around people like that. Right. Look at Jimmy Savile. That guy was raising money for the needy. I mean, look at what else he did. <laughs> I don't know. It's good or bad. <laughs> Morally relative, in his case, he thought he was doing good, you know, but whatever. Like people these people, are, they're, they're, they got a mind virus to, you know. Well, I, that... I think that the world has seen since COVID, um, especially like in Australia, where we saw the cops going crazy down there on the mm. people. I think the world's ready for the this talk right here because they've seen now how nasty those same people that might have, you know, helped the old lady across the street, probably not, but let's say that they did, uh, now are like um, flipping that old lady on her side and, and giving her a ticket for not wearing a mask. So that kind of stuff happened in recent times. So I think- Didn't they trample an old woman with a horse down there in too. Australia? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. what make, uh, how can people- it's just unbelievable. I mean, they're just doing their jobs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. And when we have a group of people, no matter what they're wearing or if they have a badge or not, if we want to separate them out from that kind of, uh, from, from that kind of look, from that kind of, you know, appearance, any group of people, any individual person, never mind a group, it's more dangerous when a group of them get together, but even any individual person that's willing to operate under the umbrella of moral relativism is a very dangerous person. Right. He's very psycho. He's very psychopathic right. to be able to go and operate under that umbrella of moral relativism on a daily basis for a fucking paycheck. Mind you of which the paycheck is sourced from the theft of people's hard earned dollars in the form of taxation. Right. So point, just that, alone just that one aspect alone that their paycheck itself is sourced from the from the immoral deed of theft 
makes their job immoral by default right what they do no matter how good uh, many good deeds they pull even if they never did another immoral thing the fact that their paycheck comes from theft is immoral and they're immoral by default and they should stop it they have the power to say no just like you and i do they have the power to refuse just like you and i do and and they they don't so yeah there there's yeah. something to be said about when someone gets that badge like i just went through tsa uh last week and there's this guy power tripping he's like pulling on his gloves making that snapping sound he wants you to know that he's in charge and it's just the way that um you know he's gonna he, bend you over and he's not gonna stop until he reaches the back of your teeth yeah <laughs> so just, was it the stanford prison experiment where they discovered like this this is a this is a phenomenon that happens yeah. are you Stanford. familiar with that loomis no i don't think so Stanford so, research institute <clears throat> no, or yeah uh stanford Bin prison Bin. experiment they took students and they separated them out they were all from the same class or whatever and they all were friends and knew each other but they were like you guys are prisoners and you guys are warden or you know cops basically and they just observed it and they had to cut it short because the people were getting so absolutely immoral and harming the prisoners because they were like dominating them, making them eat feces. They're, you know, like oh. it was like, holy shit. And they had to cut it short after like a week or some shit. There was a movie about it. Um, yeah. Billy Crudup or somebody. Um, it, it last. It was supposed to be for two weeks. It lasted for six days. Six days. So by day six, it was like, dude, it was. It, it had gotten so bad that, they, that like the guy that was performing it all um, ha, had to call it off. Yeah, uh, and this because it's immoral uh, just to even study it because it's obviously like harming others right. and so and that's it, it it just happens that way you by deeming someone giving them you have the authority to put this person in a cage to beat them or whatever if they don't comply uh it just it naturally they they turn into this predator yeah. uh it's sick and because they don't have to be accountable for their own actions. I'm just doing my job, you know. Uh, so the listeners should check out the Stanford prison, Stanford prison experiment if they've yeah. never heard of that. It took place between August 14th to the 21st in 1971. It was a psychological experiment conducted in the summer of 1971, uh, originally slated for two weeks. Uh, a two-week simulation of a prison environment that examined the effects of situational variables on participate, participants' reactions and behaviors. Um, the participants were recruited from the local community with an ad in the newspaper offering $15 per day to male students who wanted to participate wow. in a psychological study of prison life. Um, those volunteers selected to be guards were given uniforms specifically to de-individuate them and mm. instructed and they were instructed to prevent prisoners from escaping the experiment officially started when prisoners were arrested by real palo alto police over the following five days psychological abuse of the prisoners by the quote guards became increasingly brutal 
after a psychologist, Christina, um, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her last name, Christina Mal, Ma, Maslock, uh, and she visited to evaluate the conditions. She was upset to see how study participants were behaving, and she confronted Zimbardo. Zimbardo is Philip Zimbardo. He's the guy that came up with this uh, idea, and he ended the experiment uh, on the sixth day. So, I mean, this, and then I'm, I'm just reading from uh, the Wikipedia uh, hmm. article here, but I mean, it just, um, through the Wikipedia article, you can see uh, kind of the notes from each day of the sixth day. Oh. So it's Sunday, August 15th through August, uh, August 6th. I'm sorry, August, August 20th, excuse me. Right. So, um, yeah, so like six days of hell for these people. And the 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 important thing to take away from the Stanford prison experiment, just to, you know, kind of uh, ad lib or to just kind of paraphrase here, is that like how quickly the people that were hired to be the guards in the experiment um, became brutal aggressors and they weren't uh, they weren't official authorities. They were just playing a role. And they were given a role and they took it and they ran with it and just how they knew it was imaginary. Yeah. And they, they just... were playing a game. It was like a play on stage yeah. Yeah. and uh, they were still how... hurting these people. Yeah. How, it, it was, excuse me. There's just how, how quickly it just degraded right. into, into hell for the other people on the other side there. And yeah. that's how Nazi Germany happened. You know, like yeah. that's how uh, the, 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 Chairman Mao's youth with their little red book, like they, it's a, they use um, cult programming uh, in police academy is Absolutely. they got a boot camp there too. And um, that the fact that uh, someone, it, they were deemed this imaginary authority. I want to bring that, we'll talk about the 1680 act to prevent insurrection i'm going to share okay oh, share yeah please share spam we used to call them all right so can you guys see this yeah yes this is uh this here is uh it's from the virginia encyclopedia this is from the state of virginia uh, encyclopediavirginia.org and in quotes, an act for preventing Negroes insurrections, 1680. So the, um, the English, they had a philosophy there. They believed that all beings wanted to be free. And they were the first ones to eradicate slavery and whatever. They, they didn't allow slavery in their, uh, they, Slavery is is tough for them morally because they know it's wrong because they they know that all beings yearn to be free, yeah. so they they believe that there's this latent rebellion awaiting all slaves. They just they just gonna break out sometime. They just you know so these uh, these landowning whites that are that are keeping them. Uh, or, and the whites that live in the surrounding areas are afraid that these people are all just going to raise up and kill because they're so pissed from being enslaved, you know, and all the demoralization that they've had to endure. Yeah. So to fix this, 
they thought they could have some government. <laughs> so on June 8th, 1680, the General Assembly passed an act for pre preventing Negroes insurrections in response to enslavers' paranoia that feasts and burials as social occasions and community rituals could foment rebellions among the enslaved people whom they were committed to keeping in bondage. So this here is from the text, uh, Henning's uh, Statutes at Large, Volume 2, page 481. Uh, Whereas the frequent meeting of considerable numbers of Negro slaves under pretense of feasts and burials is judged of dangerous, of dangerous consequence for prevention whereof for the future be it enacted by the king's most excellent majesty by and with the consent of the general assembly and it is hereby enacted by the authority aforesaid that from and after the publication of this law it shall not be lawful for any negro or other slave to carry or arm himself with any club staff gun sword or any other weapon of defense or offense nor to go or depart from his master's ground without a certificate from his master mistress or overseer and such permission not to be granted but upon particular and necessary occasions and every negro or slave so offending not having a certificate as aforesaid shall be sent to the next constable who is hereby enjoined and required to give that said negro 20 lashes on his bare back well laid on and so sent home to his said master mistress or overseer now that they want to take away the guns they want to take away their right to travel. Where have we seen that before? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. This was in 1680, and this is how they're going to control the people. And so who's going to do this, right? Uh, I'm, going to, I'm just going to read the whole thing. And it is further enacted by the authority aforesaid that, it, that if any Negro or other slave shall presume to lift his hand in opposition against any Christian shall for every such offense upon due proof made thereof by the oath of the party before a magistrate have and receive 30 lashes on his bare back well laid on. And it is hereby further enacted by the authority aforesaid that if any Negro or other slave shall absent himself from his master's service and lie hid. Now further, this is who is going to, who's going to do, who's, who's going to keep them in order? Like there's no slave patrol yet. This is, uh, so this here is from page 482 and lurking in lay hid and then further going on and lurking in obscure places, committing injuries to the inhabitants and shall resist any person or persons that shall by any lawful authority be employed to apprehend and take the said Negro, that then in case of such resistance, it shall be lawful for such a person or persons to kill the said Negro or slave so lying out and resisting, and that this law be once every six months published at the respective county courts and parish churches within this colony. So they're going to post this 
telling any white person, any free person that you're allowed, if you find a loose Negro, you're allowed to apprehend them. And if they resist, you can kill them. This is just by some authority said by some king, his highest majesty, the authority aforementioned, here's some words on paper, go do violence. And this is like right after the Bacon Rebellion, like I was talking about before, where the, yeah. the whites and the blacks were together. This is the beginning of the cleaving between the whites and the blacks. And that, you know, it ends up with Charles Manson saying there's going to be, a, you know, uh, helter skelter, all this, because he could see their plan of what they've been doing all through history. They've been starting this because they want to divide these people. And there's so many blacks and there's so many poor whites that they can't control. And if they can get them fighting each other, just like there's, you know, they want a men to fight the women and they want the Republicans to fight the whatever, you know, like it's, it's uh, the perfect division. And if they can give one one people the right in quotes to kill the other one then it's just going to be back and forth violence because these people are going to retaliate these people are going to hate those people it's like you know hatfield and mccoy so this is the beginning of this and uh so like they they haven't there hasn't been this is like the beginning of uh the um the uh public uh public arrest or whatever, like citizens arrest, this is where it comes from. This is in Virginia, right? So like after this, there, the slave patrols, this is Wikipedia, uh, just, you know, so take it as you will, but like, you know, look into it yourself further, listeners. Um, yeah, but see, the thing about Wikipedia is some of the articles sometimes is that, you know, you got to be able to discern, of course, uh, and to not only you can use this as a resource, so from time to time, you you get the impression that um, they're proud to put out the truth about. Uh, yeah, right. When, it, when it's you know, uh, when it's <clears throat> especially something like this that's going to be true in the certain in the current social climate. I mean, it, this is most likely the the truth on the matter. Um, so again, yeah, I agree with you, Sean. Yeah, Wikipedia, right. be careful. Don't take it for the, you know, don't it's a good place it. to start. And there's yeah. a lot of links too, where, yeah. where the, the information was taken. Like if we go down to the end, there's like further reading, we can look up these books and, sure. like, you know, like, so I anyway, guess that's the good part of it is you can go find some better source material. It's that's definitely right. a good launch pad. Right. Yeah. So we're launching here, you know, so, uh, so this, this was enacted in 1680 in Virginia and like the practice of there, there wasn't enough workers. Like they were trying to have endangered servants and they were trying to get uh, people that uh, they just, so they were importing them. And that goes to the, you know, the opium trade and the, the tea from China and all of this, the domination of the West Indies. And so like, that's a different show. Like we all know the, you know, the East India company, like the, yeah. it's, it's all like domination. And so it's, it's, that's bad, but we're going to talk about here. This is how policing came out of that. Right. So, um, slave patrols, uh, also I'm just going to read also known as patrollers, patter rollers, patty rollers, or patty rollers. Like the first, actually the first police were in Boston and they were, uh, 
they were Irish. And we could talk about that too, but this is, uh, this is the first like organized, they were like a, they were like a gang, like a mafia kind of, that could be hired, you know, like, um, they still are this, a gang. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There were a lot of Irish up there and they were, um, so I think that's why Patty Rollers, uh, uh, were anyway, uh, were organized groups of armed men who monitored and enforced discipline upon slaves in the antebellum U.S. Southern states. So they, they wanted to, they, their job was to go into people's like homes and to look for weapons and to look for signs of rebellion. And so they were, they, you know, they could just go into any black person's home. They could like go through like a contraband or whatever. It's, uh, Anyway, so I'm reading further. Uh, the slave patrol's function was to police slaves, especially those who escaped or were viewed as defiant. They also formed river patrols to prevent escape by boat. Uh, policing the movements of black people, slave patrols were explicit in their design to empower the white population. Right? So it was creating a hierarchical structure of society. And uh, then the whites, by beating down the blacks, they, it forms them into a cohesive bunch that could be manipulated later, you know. That's another whole, you know, I don't wanna get side sidetracked here, but so anyway, the slave patrols first began in South Carolina in 1704 and spread throughout the colonies, lasting well beyond the American Revolution as colonizers enslaved more Africans and the population of enslaved people in South Carolina grew, especially with the invention of the cotton gin we all know about that stuff. So this fear of the slave uprising was then was there too. And um, they developed slave patrols when other means of slave control failed to quell enslaved people's resistance. There was resistance constantly. You can't keep a free man down. You can't keep a human being enslaved without having resistance. So that's just a, a given. Their biggest concern was how to keep enslaved people on the plantations being held against their will since that is where enslaved populations were highest initially slave owners offered incentives to the non-slave owning whites such as tobacco and money hey guys i'll give you some tobacco to come help me beat these people into submission and that's still what we have today except it's not just blacks it's all of us so like they and to urge them to be more vigilant in the capture of runaway slaves. They, hey, here's some money, here's some tobacco, please, guys. When this approach failed, slave patrols were formally established. They had to create this because people don't like to enslave their neighbors either. Like, it's immoral and wrong. Okay, yeah, you give me money. Yeah, okay, you give me tobacco. I don't want to go catch some dude for you. And, you know, so like that, it's human nature. Like, we don't want to. I mean, it's, unless it's a Stanford prison type thing where they're deemed, where they're given this, it's a, it's weird to hash out. But in any case, this, they couldn't get regular whites to enslave their neighbors until they created a specific job just for that. And then these people hired on for that job to have a regular paycheck. Um, that's where it started there in South Carolina. And so like you know they want to talk about how it's you know they were enslaving the blacks and you know but look at what you know krs one says in in his song uh sound of the police like overseer and officer 
are the same word. It's a continuation, like the yeah. overseer is on a horse. He gets to patrol the land. The cop is on a horse. He gets to patrol, you know, and by by freeing the slave in quotes, freeing the slaves when they're all still enslaved in poverty, just they just made us all the same level as them. They just put us all under the same category of right. kept cattle, you know. Uh, so instead of, uh, you know, keeping just those people in order, the cops keep all of us in order. And because it's been around since 1704, people nowadays are like, well, that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? Right. You know, I'm sorry I took so much time for you guys. You guys, please take the floor. No, 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 it's good because so, so was there an origin before in um like England of police too? Or no, I don't wow, think there was. I didn't know that. I always thought it came from England, but so the world copied police. Yes. I mean, there's police everywhere. I mean, yes, it came from America. The idea of police came from America and the domination of those peoples. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yep. Yep, it's long been said that the only thing America really gave to the world was the prison system. <laughs> We're still going strong nowadays. Oh, whereas yeah. other whereas other countries and cultures have given, you know, food and sports, all these different things art that, and culture, right? That have been enjoyed among everyone all over the world. When it comes to America, it says uh you know, the saying goes, the only contribution America has made is the prison system. We got Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. America we got, is we like, got a mafia. Go ahead, yeah, right. sorry. Film, America film is them. like one big slave plantation. You know, right. everybody I know is broke. And, uh, yes. you know, even, even if you're not broke, you're still not free whatsoever. And right. everywhere, everyone's kind of on that same, like, they brought that level of, of what was just black slavery down to everybody. Everybody's just in this machine and we're struggling all the time. And if we try to be free, then we'll find out why we're not free. A lot of people don't go outside of those lines. They just stay within the, yeah. the little road that they're supposed to go, go to work and go to school every day. But um, we'll find well, out pretty quickly by these enforcers it, when we try to do something just a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Happens. People, are, people are trained into uh, having the blinders put on. They put them on themselves right? The, yeah. through the training of like, you know, public school systems. And all of these different uh, salute the, the flag, right? Well, well, yeah, all the different me methods through the public school systems, and the parents, and all, and the it's just all one big web of mm. of compliance, right? And and it's like okay, uh, we certainly don't want a bunch of psychopaths running around doing all sorts of crazy, violent things, uh, which is why I always bring it back to objective morality um but i mean this is this the source of it's our job to protect the, ourselves the, right right you know but it's like the source of like where all this comes from you know why people have those blinders on and they're just they just want to stay in their lane and everything like they don't want to make waves and not like common sayings like oh if you're not doing anything wrong why are you still worried and it's like well you know, because it like that, that is one of the ones that gets at me personally the most is because it's like, well, 
I know I'm not doing anything wrong, but it's not about what's objectively right or wrong to them. It's about what they think is right or wrong. And if they think I'm doing something wrong, they'll, for, they'll, for whatever reason, think That's that true. they're exact, their author, uh, perceived authority over me. And right. I don't bend to their will, then they're going to exact violence upon me right. for doing nothing. So much as having a, having a plate light out on my car, right? You know, it's like, do your headlights work? Cause if it's dark outside and your headlights work and you want to see my stupid license plate, you're behind me anyways, you can see my license. So it's just completely backwards where it's like, you know, the the plate light doesn't matter. So I mean, that's a small thing, but it's still, the concept is big. So this is what people fail to understand is that right and wrong is not up to you. Right and wrong is not up to any one of us. Right. We, can, yes. we, can align, we can align ourselves and discover what's right and wrong, but it's not up to you to decide what's right and wrong. Creation, the universe has given that to us, and it's up to us to align our perception to that truth. And that's what objective morality is, is that right and wrong apply to everybody equally. Every single sentient being that is able to consciously, like to be able to, like, to be able to understand that, right? Mm. It applies to every single sentient being that can understand right and wrong, violence and peace. Yeah. This is a good. If we can see others suffering, then we can be aware of the objective morality. Right. Like this, the, the, this is at the very core of the entire argument against this ruling class and the enforcement agents that they have working for them. Right. This is the entire argument is that they are moral relativists that will do whatever they want and exact their perceived authority upon every single one of us, including their right. own, if they see it as a net positive for the things they wish to gain. And that's not okay with me. And if anyone else is not okay with that, then the best thing for them to do is to learn and speak. Right. And, and we can see, it's the most peaceful way. It's the most peaceful way. We can see how they can just change the law and be like, now it's the law. You have to wear a diaper on your face. And now the cops go have to have to, okay, well, I guess I got to, yeah. kick you into the dirt now because you're not wearing a diaper you know like because my boss says so but it's like it's we are ob- we can obviously see that like they will enforce anything that they want and if you know if they deem all of a sudden that it's wrong for you to to, to you know to not wear a sticker on your forehead then you know you better wear that sticker or we're going to come in there and bust your door down with a SWAT team and you know like scare your children and shoot your wife and whatever else like um we you know people should look into uh you know uh the weavers and look into you know uh uh waco texas and you know look at what you know what they do when they just decide oh we're we don't like what you're doing you know, uh, Randy you mean Weaver. The, the up on Ruby Ridge. Yeah, Ruby Ridge. Ruby yeah, Ridge. Randy, Randy yeah. Weaver. Like some cop told him, "Hey, saw this shotgun." Right, and it was. And I'll give you money. And he's like, "Well, I need money, I guess." And he did that. And then his wife is holding his baby. Yeah, well, hold and on. She they gets shot. He okay. didn't know. He he didn't know that he was selling a sawed-off shotgun to a cop. Right. I know. They they tricked him. 
I know. They tricked him into yeah. doing it. It was undercover and they and tricked the same, him. It yeah. goes the same the same thing for recently, those twelve guys the Yeah, the Whitmer thing. The over in uh was it Michigan with the governor yeah. over there for the kidnapping plot against the governor. Fourteen people oh, had yeah. yeah, twelve of them were FBI. FBI agents. Yeah. Twelve out of the fourteen people were FBI right. agents. Right. And the other two guys went down for it and they got they got tricked. This yeah. is time it, and time yeah. again. They, you know, and even with local police, they pull you over for, like I mentioned, a plate light or a taillight being out, some stupid, silly thing. And they don't right. even care about it. They don't even care about that. They want your license. They want to see if there's anything else good in the car. You're right. like, that's, it's a fishing expedition to them. And it, yeah, we've got hard. a good clip. Uh, before we do that, I would just want to say that the, like the way that they're able to patrol for contraband that is a huge power where they get to go into your personal space. They get to go do whatnot. And then these drug laws, uh, they like everybody smokes cannabis. That's like, you know, you guys know, like, it's just, yeah. it's just part of being human. And for them to say all of a sudden this is illegal and you cops are allowed to go stomp these kids heads like and they you know you can smell a joint if it's good cannabis you can smell it from a mile away you know what i mean like it's a it's a perfect tool to invade the rights of the people who are just being free and uh that you know it fills their prison system and it's like this and we have a clip from uh a gentleman i do you want uh, here i'm just gonna i'm already in the middle of it here barry cooper uh have you guys heard of barry cooper i know james yeah. has i i haven't no okay so in the in like the 90s and early 2000s he uh there was in the back of the high times magazine you could see a video never get busted again that he had a volume one and two and uh barry cooper is a police officer who um, he started as a canine officer because he was training dogs when he was young. And, uh, you know, he went and started training the, the dogs to sniff for drugs. And they hired him uh, in Texas, I forget what town. And he was like, they had him on the high, in Texas, they got, it's like the highway, there's money going one way and drugs going the other way. And, <laughs> his job was to catch these people and he would catch like well we can let you like he's going to tell some of the story of how he would catch these people uh this is a little segment of how cops think when they're looking at you driving on the highway uh do you i can i can share that or you james which who would you like go for it okay i'm gonna sure. find it here yeah here wait one second i'll get it yeah, I mean, I, I was just in the state of Washington, mm -hmm. and um, Sorry. I had some legal, <laughs> legal weed, right? And yeah. I realized if I brought it across the Idaho border, I could get busted for the same thing. It's just so funny how this imaginary line, and that's bad over here, but it's okay over here. And they could have actually busted me for having that same thing in my in my car. Right. It's crazy. How it's an imaginary works. border that you cross, and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, right? But, so they... but like because of the the massive amount of immorality and the massive amount of moral relativism, I for one, I know this is going to sound very uh, 
opposite of of you know anarchism and and freedom but with these with the state of of morality that we're in borders are almost necessary to say hey right here in this area we don't do that shit and we don't tolerate it in one sense it's it's important it's like the it has to be voluntary though and the people defending have to be not paid by taxes and they have to be you know like there's a lot of like there's a lot of caveats but i you know i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying i have my own private property right and in this private and and within the bound defend your son property we don't tolerate that shit that's right and that microcosm can be expanded out right for the time being it can be justified to say within these boundaries we don't do that shit you (laughs) you come over here and try to pull that shit here and there's going to be consequences and we understand morality we understand natural law and natural rights and we're not going to put up with people coming in here doing aggressive violent actions against us right yeah, we should have a sign on your door and my door as well. Like, That's what so, I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. So, okay. So this here Check it out. is a clip. It's about like seven or eight minutes from uh, Barry Cooper's Never Get Busted Again, uh, volume one. And he talks about how to keep yourself safe in the beginning of the, vi- like, not this clip, at the beginning of this whole video, he talks about how the dog's nose works and how, like, how to keep the you, you know your car safe from the dog's nose and where he's good at sniffing and how is this the one when he gets to talking about uh, adrenaline rushes? Yeah, that's in that's in this one. This, okay, because cool. I got your whole clip, your bigger clip, because yeah. the, the adrenaline rush is just like two minutes out of this whole seven minutes. So cool. yeah, the adrenaline rush we're gonna have to talk about that is uh, he he explains oh, yeah. uh, he was a cop for like eight or nine years or something and. Um, he'll explain here. I'm just going to play it. Can you hear Welcome it? to my former yeah. office, okay. the highways of America, where I work narcotics interdiction. Narcotics profiling is defined as the method used by law enforcement officers to highly increase their chances of making a narcotics arrest based on visual cues and indicators prior to the traffic stop. I worked on the interstate, but I want to take you first into the city, the actual city where I cut my teeth and made over a hundred arrests on less than five miles of highway. Come go to the city with me and then we'll come back to the interstate. This is the exact intersection that I spent two years where I made over 100 narcotics arrests. This is a small town with less than 2,000 people. There were two types of uh, people that I would a profile. I would look for what I called user drugs and then smuggler loads and we'll show you in this section what would alert me to believe somebody was just a simple user or what would alert me to somebody being a smuggler. As you can see this traffic coming behind me and these cars turning the intersection, I would sit here. They were forced to go slow because this is an intersection and that would help me get a really good look, bird's eye view of the occupants and the vehicle. So if you ever see a patrol car sitting perpendicular at an intersection and he's watching cars real closely going by, one of two things is happening. He's trying to interdict people for narcotics or he's gotten a bolo, a be on the lookout dispatch to him of possibly uh, somebody that was involved in a gas drive off or some other crime. While I'd sit at this intersection 
I, I didn't like stopping the people that lived in Big Sandy. You know, I was trying to catch the larger loads going north and out of towners with, with marijuana. So if they weren't familiar with this intersection, if they weren't from Big Sandy, I could tell by the way they navigated this intersection. They would be somewhat confused and uh, they wouldn't use their turn signal or they'd get in the wrong lane and I instantly knew they weren't, they were not a local person. Okay, now this white SUV coming through here looks like a Tahoe. Uh, he's not using a turn signal and I noticed it was a single male Texas plates probably from out of town, but his age, he was a lot older. It just didn't strike me as, as somebody I would stop. There's a black male and black female in a Lincoln. That car is interesting to me. And again, this is not racist. Uh, I, I arrested more white people than I did blacks. My record's clear on that. I am absolutely not racist. There are racist police. I don't care what they tell you, that they've had the training, that they're not racist. They are racist. Not all of them, but a big majority of them are. They do pick on black people and Mexicans, period. I've seen it with my own eyes. That's still happening today. At this time, I'd run a license plate check. And, well, no, I wouldn't need to. There's a CarMart sticker. I know CarMart is a local car dealership. They have one in Longview and Tyler, but they also have one in Arkansas. Speaking of stickers, if you had a dare sticker or a say no to drugs sticker, that alerted me to you. <laughs> and you would not believe the people I arrested with those type of stickers on their cars. Mm -hmm. Cops do not trust people, period, because they get lied to every single day. Pretty soon, after two years of nothing but lies, you could be telling them the honest truth, and they don't believe you. You have to prove yourself innocent. And that's unfortunate. Instead of them proving you guilty, they automatically assume you're guilty. Now, that was a white female. At first, it looked like a white male with long hair. White males with long hair, I stopped them all the time. <laughs> hair like mine, I would have stopped me. They won't, they won't smuggle in a really nice vehicle in case uh, they get busted. There's not a nice vehicle for law enforcement to seize. So we're going to catch up to these two. He navigated that turn very well. I need to get closer to the vehicle and start reading bumper stickers, license plates, things of that nature. And again, I'm at a disadvantage because I'm in a Suburban and not a patrol car. If I were in a patrol car, I would have them really nervous right now. They just bobbled that line. That's enough for me to initiate a traffic stop. But at this point, I actually wouldn't. I'd watch them for a while. If you can zoom in on that sticker up on the corner, the rear window, if that is like a DPS, we support DPS troopers sticker, we donate to, to some kind of law enforcement agency, that is a heavy indicator to pull them over. Any support of law enforcement that they're advertising automatically <laughs> makes me suspicious. And I'm free, starting free to Mason feel sticker. that same adrenaline. Yeah, Freemason stickers, same thing. And yeah. like... It's very interesting. Like, they've been lied to so much. If they see, if you really do donate money, they're, like, pulling you over. It's so funny. So uh, this right here, he was about to say he's starting to feel the adrenaline because he's following these people. And let's listen to what he says about adrenaline. This is very, important. very important. Yeah. Being released into my body, and that's what kept me going in law enforcement. When you ask a cop, why do you want to be a cop, or why are you being a cop? 
or why are you working narcotics? Their answer always is, I want to help people and I don't want drugs to get into the hands of the kids. That's all bull crap. They're out here doing this because of the adrenaline rush. They're actually drug addicts themselves. If I injected you with adrenaline certain doses every day and all day long like a cop gets, you would become addicted to that adrenaline and need more and more and more and more of it. That's why we have to elevate ourselves to da more dangerous things to get that rush of adrenaline. When you first break out of the academy, riding a tr simple traffic ticket, your hand shakes and you get that adrenaline rush. Well, after 500 riding tickets, 500 times riding tickets, it's no longer a big deal to you. So the next thing, you need disturbance calls to get that same adrenaline rush. Then you need fights. Then you need car chases. And what happens without law enforcement recognizing it, this happened to me, I needed so much adrenaline, the only thing that pumped me up were, were busting people for narcotics, fights, and car chases. When you find drugs on somebody, you're supposed to handcuff them right then. Well, I would leave the cuffs off of them and say, you're under arrest for possession of cocaine and give them a chance to run or to fight because that gave me that adrenaline rush that I needed because I was addicted to the adrenaline. Interdiction officers, narcotics officers, are not out here to help American people and they're not out here to keep drugs out of the hands of school kids. Drug dealers are not dealing drugs to your 10-year-old on the playground. For one, 10-year-olds don't have any money for two, 10-year-olds are not doing the drugs. That's all a government ploy. Oh, they're killing our kids. That's a lie. That's just a good thing to say. That's just a mask to hide behind the, the, the cruel and unjust war on drugs. It's absolutely not true. Cops are out here doing this for the fame of it and for the adrenaline rush and for the peer acceptance because after there's a big drug bust, there's a big party, and that officer is considered a celebrity for that moment. Wow. Become <laughs> a celebrity for that moment. They, so that's what they're really running on. They got coffee and sugar donuts, and they're full of adrenaline, and who knows what... You know, each car that they walk up to, it could be this one's going to run, this one's going to shoot, this one's going to be whatever, you know. So, like, every time they walk up to the car, they, like, get that. Um, I've talked to cops. I've talked to this one cop. I was being arrested for possession of cannabis. And, you know, um, I was, like, freaking out. And I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. And he says, calm down. This is an inconvenience. And I was like. Yeah, you're right. And then we just started talking and like um, he's one of those guys that's addicted to the adrenaline. And he was telling me about how the like a week or two ago he was walking up to one of the cars that he was pulling over and the person used a gun and shot himself because they were so scared of this cop. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to get sent back to jail or oh, who knows what. But and then the guy had to see that. I'm like, oh my God, what was it like to see that? And he's like, oh, well, in Afghanistan, I learned not to look in the, the eyes of the dead because then you don't have to dream about it and it doesn't haunt you. 
So, and so this is, these are the people they, they hire ex military yes. who come home and they're already good at following orders and they already get a paycheck for carrying a gun for the, for the man. And they're already addicted to adrenaline because they've been in war zones and they've seen dead bodies, their friends get exploded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that dude who I was mentioning, he was talking about how he loves it when they run and how car chases are so fun. And, you know, he was excited to tell me about it because I was listening and I was just taking all the information in like, oh my goodness, like this guy is crazy, you know, and he's out there every day. It's his job to just roll out there and to get high, beating us down is getting high on dominating others <laughs> like how evil is that like please. Uh, it, those psychopaths are everywhere in this um i actually know someone who went exactly actually is a rack war and what job did he get after he came back well he needed some way to like feed his he didn't fit in with the world anymore after he'd seen all that he needed some way to feed that adrenaline rush and so what right. he did is became a cop yeah right and it's also the the it's also the lifestyle it's the structure it's the it's the um the they would call it like the the hierarchy you know of of officers and and you know order following it gives it, it gives you know the the main focus of this evening, of course, is is the police and, and that aspect of of order followers. But we also have another kind of uh, side of the spectrum there when it comes to military people, right. and it, and it's they are reflections of one another, and that's what makes it so easy for the military the retirees to come home and to uh, fall right into uh, doing the police work. It is it, it they are very very similar. And the training that you receive in the military benefits you a lot. And they are, they're, they're, they're primed and ready to go to come home and to, and to commit war on the people at home. They don't see it like that, but it's the truth. They're, right. they are doing, they're doing acts of war against the citizens of this country. And, 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 and that's yeah. a big problem. And yeah, like the, same- SWAT teams, so like they all the SWAT gear is like old military equipment that they're cycling out so that they can buy more military equipment from Lockheed Martin and more tanks and shit. So, and then, so then it's milita- militarizing every police force and they've already been a standing army and now they're not, you know, they're not like, uh, uh, the, the TV shows of the fifties. It's yeah. like, you know, uh, it's war on the streets they got yeah, tanks. It's, not, it's, it's not andy griffith anymore right no. it's, you know it, it, it's it's not it's not that anymore it's complete right. and utter just it, it's authoritarian rule over right. the citizens of this country our the founding fathers the framers of the constitution and of this country warned against standing armies right. because of uh, because of one big reason and a few other reasons but the one big reason was because they understood that empires have standing armies. That's one of the biggest reasons why they warned against having standing armies. Okay. And they also warned that a, that a government body with a standing army might, uh, I'm sorry, not might, 
but it's, it's a, it, it almost seems like they were writing it as an inevitability that it would be turned against the people. So empires use standing armies against their own people, and that's how history plays out over and over and over again. Yes. Right. And Everybody should look up what democide means. Yeah. And then look up the biggest history, the biggest killer in history of, of people. Um, Mao Zedong. There's, yeah, there's a good right. book uh, by R.J. Rimmel, I think I used to own it, called Death by Democide, I think it is. Have you guys Ooh. read that one? Death by oh, Government. R.J. Oh, Rimmel, I think. But yeah, that, that one's excellent. But um, talking about these, these, talking about earlier how they kind of like didn't really need police of course but they since have imported lots of drugs into our society so suddenly we do have psychopaths running around so they say now we say oh well we need we need the police because now we do have all this crime but they made the crime happen by importing right. all this you know crack i remember when the crack epidemic was big and people like crime just you know boosted and there's people out of their minds like you wouldn't want to let them near your kids or anything you know and that's the that's what they wanted they wanted a need for more police and they've made a police society now because of all the instability that these satanists have have created in our in our world where we once didn't even need these people at all well the first thing i would say is that it's everybody Everybody has the right to use their body uh, in whichever way that they want, so long as sure, sure. so long as the outcome of that is not violence against another person. Second, I would like to point out something that you said about the the outcome that we saw, violence being done. So it's the exact opposite of what I laid out. It's violence being done against innocent people. Governments bringing the drugs in. We know Barry Seal, Barry and the boys and all that stuff through Mena, Arkansas. And then the, from there, like all of that, you know, we can get into that. But the more important thing is to consider the effect of all of this. They, dis, they, they, they basically defang a population of moral people who've done nothing wrong. And then they make it so those people can't defend themselves against the immoral people and the violent people that are coming and knocking on their door and saying, hey, where's, my, where's your stuff? I want it now they're not allowed to defend themselves now so they're they they are they are that's why chicago and california and yeah, those places and have so city. much gun violence because the the good and, people don't have guns right and all and the criminals are out right. there still they're, have guns they don't have the most effective means of defense right. and and they when it comes to physical defense of an intruder or somebody that's coming at you trying to do violence upon you they don't have it and it's and they're and they're they're sold that bill of goods in in a way to make it so it's like oh this is for your own good because you don't want the violent people to have those do you? It's like, oh, look it's at not. it's never going to stop the violence though. It's not that you can't you 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 can't just make laws and stop violent people. Only people can stop that. And right. so we're, what we're talking about here is this is this kind of circular uh this this kind of revolving door of cause and effect and this revolving door of, of actions where we're seeing just one form of violence being done against an innocent group of people so another form of violence can be done against that same innocent group of people and the innocent group of people are sitting there going please protect me and they're begging for protection from the same group of they're begging stockholm for syndrome yeah. they're, they're begging the people that are that are abusing them to protect right. them 
from it's other a, yeah that are that are that from other well, people doing James, things. I think you got to send a letter to your congressman. <laughs> I think maybe that'll fix it. <laughs> I've been meaning to write one up. I yeah, really right. have. I just don't have the time. Maybe we can vote. Maybe that'll do something. Can't vote uh, 2024 elections that'll work yeah yeah well, they, somebody somebody will I'll, save us we can just check about you can't yeah. vote your way out of tyranny right only and that is the most ineffectual way of you're not even doing anything you actually have to do stuff you have to perform actions to insulate yourself you you can't change these things from within it's not going to work. If it were going to work, it would have already. Yeah. And, and like, that's the proof, the, the proof of the ineffectual, just not the nothing. They're not doing a thing. And the proof is right in front of you. You just got to get your head out of the sand to see it. And it's, you know. Well, another thing that uh, they're not, they're not here to help you. There's, there's actually. There's proof of that. We have yeah, proof. there's proof. Do you have that one, James? You want to share that one? We have, yeah, I'll I'll bring that up. Okay. We, and so there's there's uh let me see here. All cops are bad and they don't even it's not even their job to be good. So uh, right. You know, yeah, we, it's sad we, that they got protect and serve on their car and it's part it's just part of the mind control. Like if you think that you can go vote your way out or whatever, if you think cops are going to save you, you are lulled to sleep, you know. Okay, yeah, James has got it on the way way back cuz because the uh New York Times wouldn't let us look because of their paywall. All right, so this article is from June 28th, 2005. The, the Supreme Court um, on domestic violence and the justices rule police do not have a constitutional duty to protect somebody. So from Washington, this article came out of um, the New York Times. So again, June 28th, 2005, Washington, June 27th, the Supreme Court ruled on Monday that the police did not have a constitutional duty to protect a person from harm, even a woman who had obtained a court-issued protective order against a violent husband making an arrest mandatory for a violation. The decision with an opinion from Justice and Antonin Scalia and Scalia, yeah. Scalia, and, uh, um, you know, whatever. You got it. Yeah. But, Sorry. Uh, in the sense from Justice John Paul Stevens and Ruth Bader Ginsburg overturned a ruling by a federal appeals court in Colorado. The appeals court had permitted a lawsuit to proceed against a Colorado town called Castle Rock for the failure of the police to respond to a woman's pleas for help after her estranged husband violated a protective uh, order by kidnapping their three young daughters whom he eventually killed wow for hours on the night of june 22nd of 1999 jessica gonzalez tried to get the castle rock police to find and arrest her estranged husband simon gonzalez who was under an a court order to stay 100 yards away from the house that they lived in he had taken the children, ages 7, 9, and 10, as they played outside, and he later called his wife to tell her that he had the girls at an amusement park in Denver. Ms. Gonzalez conveyed the information to the police, but they failed to act before Mr. Gonzalez arrived at the police station hours later, firing a gun with the bodies of the girls in, his back, in the back of his truck. The police killed him at the scene. So as an aside, it's not until he threatened the gang 
that the gang did anything. <laughs> the uh, gang being the cops there, listeners, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the theory of the lawsuit Ms. Gonzalez filed in federal court, uh, federal district court in Denver, was that the Colorado law had given her an uh, enforceable right to protection by instructing the police on the court order that, quote, you shall arrest, unquote, or issue a warrant for the arrest of a violator. She argued that the order gave her a, quote, uh, property interest, unquote, within the meaning of the 14th Amendment's due process guarantee, which prohibits the deprivation of property without due process. Uh, to go on, the district court and a panel of the United States Courts of Appeal uh, for the 10th Circuit dismissed the suit, but the full appeals court reinstated it and the town appealed. The Supreme Court's precedents made the uh, appellant ruling a challenging one for Ms. Gonzalez and her lawyers to sustain. Um, okay, so how long is this article? I didn't reread it. Anyways, uh, in a 1989 decision, DeShane versus Winnebago County held that the failure by county social service workers to protect a young boy from a beating by his father did not breach any substantive constitutional duty by framing her case as one of process rather than substance Ms. Gonzalez and her lawyers hoped to find a way around the pre that precedent uh, but the majority on Monday saw a little difference between the earlier case and this one Castle Rock versus Gonzalez number 04-278 Ms. Gonzalez did not have a quote property interest unquote in enforcing the restraining order Justice Scalia said adding that, quote, such a right would not, of course, resemble any traditional con uh, conception of property, unquote. Although the protective order did mandate an arrest or an arrest warrant, in so many words, Justice Scalia said, quote, a well-established tradition of police discretion has long coexisted with apparently mandatory arrest statutes, unquote. But Justice Stevens and Ginsburg, in their dissenting opinion, said, Quote, it is clear that the elimination of police discretion was integral to Colorado and its fellow states a solution to the problem of under-enforcement in domestic violence cases, unquote. Colorado was one of two dozen states that, in response to increased attention to the problem of domestic violence during the 1990s, made arrest mandatory for violating protective orders. To quote, um, the court, uh, to quote some dissenting justices, the court fails to come to terms with the wave of domestic violence statutes that provides the crucial context for understanding Colorado's law, unquote. And it just goes on and on to further explain. Um, but I mean, that's long and short of it. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I think that that's about as much as we can get out of that one. So, um, I'll stop sharing it, but it just goes to show, and this isn't the only time that it's, um, that, that this is, that this has come up. So there's also, um, another one, I, I believe Warren versus DC, if I'm not mistaken, Warren versus the district of Columbia. And in 1975, Carolyn Warren, Joanne Tellia Farrow and Miriam Douglas Three female roommates sued the District of Columbia and individual members of the Metropolitan Police Department for negligent failure to provide adequate police services. Okay. Um, this is actually a very big case. 
1981, the District of Columbia Court of Appeals ruled that the police do not owe a specific duty to provide police services to, to specific citizens based on the public do duty doctrine. Okay, the case, this case of Warren versus DC involved three rape victims who sued the District of Columbia because of negligence on the part of the police. All right. So the, the story of this is pretty, pretty disturbing. Um, in the early morning hours of Sunday, March 16th, 1975, Carolyn Warren and Joanne Taliaferro, who shared a room on the third floor of the rooming house at uh, 11 at a, uh, at 11, 12 Lamont street, Northwest in the district of Columbia and Miriam Douglas, who shared a room on the second floor with her four-year-old daughter were asleep. The women were awakened by the sound of the back door being broken down by two men later identified as Marvin Kent and James Morse. The men entered Douglas's second floor room where Kent forced Douglas to perform oral sex on him and Morse raped her. Warren Taliaferro heard Douglas's screams from the floor below. Warren called 911 and told the dispatcher that the house was being burglarized and, the request, and they requested immediate assistance. The department employee told her to remain quiet and assured her that the police assistance would be dispatched promptly. Warren's call was received at Metropolitan Police Department headquarters at 6.23 a.m. And was recorded as a burglary in progress. At 6.26, a call was dispatched to officers on the street as a code to assignment. So three minutes had passed between the call and the dispatch. Although the, uh, so as a code to assignment, although calls of a crime in progress should be given priority and designated as code one, so they designated as code two, they didn't do their jobs properly. So that's the first thing. Four police cruisers responded to the broadcast, three to the Lamont Street address and one to the another address to investigate a possible suspect. Meanwhile, Warren and Taliaferro crawled from their window onto an adjoining roof and waited for the police to arrive. While there, they observed one policeman drive through the alley behind their house and proceed to the front of the residence without stopping, leaning out the window or getting out of the car to check the back entrance of the house. A second officer apparently knocked on the door in front of the residence, but left when he received no answer. The three officers departed the scene at 6.33 a.m., only after five minutes, uh, five minutes after their arrival. Warren and Taliaferro crawled back inside their room. They again heard Douglas's continued screams. Again, they called the police told the officers that the told the officer on the phone that the intruders had entered the home and requested immediate assistance. Once again, a police officer assured them that help was on the way. This second call was received at 6:42 a.m. and recorded merely as quote, "investigate the trouble." Unquote. It was never dispatched to any police officer. Believing the police might be in the house, Warren and Taliaferro called down to Douglas, thereby alerting Kent to their presence. At knife point, Kent and Morris then forced all three women to accompany them to Kent's apartment. For the next 14 hours, the captive women were raped, 
robbed, beaten, forced to commit sexual acts upon one another, and made to submit to sexual demands of Kent and Morse. Warren, Taliaferro, and Douglas brought the following claims of negligence against the District of Columbia and the Metropolitan Police Department. First one, the dispatcher's failure to forward the 623 AM call with the proper degree of urgency. Number two, the responding officer's failure to follow standard police investigative procedures, specifically their failure to check the rear entrance and position themselves properly near the door and the windows to ascertain whether there was any activity inside. And three, the dispatcher's failure to di dispatch the 642 AM call. So, um, in a four to three decision, the District of Columbia Court of Appeals affirmed the trials court's dismissal of the, uh, of the complaints against the District of Columbia uh, and individual members of the Metropolitan Police Department based on the public duty doctrine, ruling that, quote, the duty to provide public services is owed to the public at large and absent a special relationship between the police and an individual no specific legal duty exists, unquote. The court thus adopted the trial court's determination that no special relationship existed between the police and the appellants, and therefore no specific legal duty existed between the police and the appellants. The public duty doctrine, I'm trying to see if I can find out real quick when that was... Uh, and that, that was put into place, but, um, anyways, so we see this throughout modern, modern day of, um, the, the, uh, the way that even the courts protect police officers, you know, so this isn't about, this, this is, uh, this isn't about like, do they have a duty to protect anybody? They don't have a duty to protect anybody. What they have a duty to is to enforce the law. That's their duty. Yeah. Yeah, and the law is what whatever they the politicians imagine. It's funny, like they deny the individual. There, there is no collective. Like we are all individuals, you know, but they have no... They have no reason to help you because you are an individual. We're here to help the masses, you know? Uh, it's more of that communist propaganda. I mean, and, it, you know, it's being enforced this way. Groups don't have rights. Individuals have rights. Exactly. And you can, and you can have, you can have a, a, a gathering of individuals, but the individual rights don't change. Um, exactly. So... You, you you know you can't you can't give rights to a group. It's impossible. The group is an imaginary construct. Right. It doesn't really exist. It exists as a mass formation of uh, of people of individuals, and each right. one of those people have individual rights. And in, in a in a in a truly right world, right. all of those individuals have the same rights. You mentioned mass formation, and I wanted to say that that 
you know, we've that seen formation is, is a funny thing to mention when we're talking about the police, because a lot of it has to do with free floating anxiety, which the police are uh, suffering from because of all the adrenaline that they're exposed to. Well, there's that. But I mean, the police were formed because the uh, the whites that had that owned these people had this fear that they're just going to rebel like they just, you know, they're humans and. We know it's wrong, but we're going to do it to them because we want textiles or whatever else, sugar cane. And what. so um, they had this fear that coalesced into the construction of of the police in the, you know, they they made the overseer uh, the officer and to to cure their fear of like, oh, these poors and these blacks are going to rebel against us. So like, that's how they coalesced in general. And now they've divided us so much where we fear each other. And like, they've created so much poverty and, you know, uh, so much like uh, availability for the addiction and the drugs are so much worse. Now people talk about, oh, the cannabis is so much stronger, but look at fentanyl and car fentanyl. Like this is not regular heroin, this shit, like, like that's some evil shit and it comes from canada or not canada but from china at the other sea country and like you know it's it's the same as the 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 opium war it's like their retaliation uh it's it, it's another attack against our population and it kills people like nobody knows how to dose it out properly you know and they you know people go and they buy fentanyl like they People in the street, they request it and they have to get high like two or three times a day because it's quicker. You know, a, a junkie can do once, you know, and they only have to commit one crime a day. <laughs> you know, these other people, they have to go and go and go and they get this chunk of like two grams or whatever. And it's like not two grams of fentanyl. It's like a bunch of crap. It's like, what is it? You know, and they just and like it clogs their needles and they they get big balloon feet and fingers and like it's like it's total poison it's it's all poison and these people they accept it because they're they're damaged you know and the way that england dominated china china is like is using that same weapon against us and the way that like our officials when ecstasy was going crazy they uh they went to the companies and they were like please stop making this stuff they're like okay and they they had the what is it the meth uh the the yeah it was for the it was for the pills the uh the ecstasy and they and they weren't able to get the primary ingredients Sudafed. yeah no no so, no that's not yeah Sudafed is that's uh, for the meth but yeah. so yeah that's another thing like they asked and then they changed the recipe or whatever but um they went to China and they asked they were like please stop doing this fentanyl stuff and they said no of course not no get out of here like and you know these they're it's made in factories it's like grubby rat infested factories that you know nobody cares and they just shovel it out into american streets and you know and the the gangs and the police are working together and using it just like they were using the stuff from south america with the cia running it like it, it it feeds their ends they want to keep having the system churn like they can 
Barry Cooper explains how uh, they can seize your assets without proving that you've done anything wrong. So they can, they look for the expensive cars. Ooh, that's a good one. And they go get that one and they try to like seize the most property and that, uh, you know, like, like he's, he was saying, I can get my entire salary in one bust and all the other busts are just cream on top of that. I'm paying for new cars, new motorcycles, new, whatever equipment for the cops. And it's like, it feeds the system and it feeds the adrenaline of the officers and they are they're working on cult mentality where it's us and them and you know it uh their brains are affected um and they're you know they get to beat us down uh oh loomis check your mic oh loomis is trying to talk i'm sorry no no you get you hear me yeah we can hear. maybe it wasn't working for a while oh shit oh well anyway um yeah, I was going to say, though, um, when we were talking about, uh, I guess, I guess well, the, basically the whole role of these people is just so flawed. Like, we're, that's what we're trying to bring out here is we're trying to mm. show people, the audience, that this is this is the role of these people that we put highly in our society and and it's and it's what i think james you were talking about earlier how um a lot of people have this saying like well i don't have anything to hide or i'm not doing anything wrong right but what happens when these the powers that shouldn't be change those laws and suddenly something you do normally is illegal and that happened here in hawaii with the COVID things and we saw when that happened i couldn't swim or lay on the beach but i could swim in the ocean okay then we could lay on a beach but you can't lay next to anyone including your partner unless you're six feet apart and then so we every time the police like went by on their their fucking um forerun their their atvs their quads you had to be like aware or you might get this ticket but it's just people always just give authority the benefit of the doubt basically until it becomes illegal to do something that normal like breathe basically and that's what that's what people need to realize and that happened recently so i think more people hopefully out there can realize this yeah well the 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 important thing to remember about what you just said is that you know there are so many laws on the books right now that don't, first of all, that don't even need to be there. But the, but the, the point I'm making is on average, a person actually, according to the laws now, on average, a person will commit three felonies a day and not even know it. And it's just a matter of whether or not a police officer right. is there to catch them or even cares to catch them. But that's, an, that's a, a real statistic. Right. You need to have a shotgun when you're escorting your wife to church on Sunday. That, well, that used to, I don't know. know what that means. No, that used to be one. Uh, I forget Is which state. Real? Yeah, oh. that's right. Um, but that, you know, whatever. Like, that's those laws are still in the books, too. If you, you can listen to Tom yeah. Waits, will talk but like, about it. But, like, if, but like if we're living, if we're living in, su- if we're living in a world where there's so many laws mm-hmm. that breaking, that you're breaking, that you're committing three felonies. <laughs> a day this is this is really a terrible situation that we have found ourselves in and and that's so it's so 
excellent that you brought up the point about like COVID because this is something that has really changed a lot of people's perspective on just like what the hell is going on, right? I mean, it's yeah. not a mass awakening, but people are becoming a little bit more aware of like, geez, like this could, the, the script can really be flipped very, very quickly on all of us. And we have no say, right. oh my God. Like why I hear a lot of people saying that they never understood just how important it was to participate in local elections before COVID happened, because then, next, you know, your mayors and your governors are the ones. And it's just like, no, like you're the one. It's never been anyone but you calling the shots. Like you don't have to do what they say. If you're not committing violence, like go for it. That's what I said. Well, so, the, like, the, this is what creates like all of this anxiety and this just perpetual uh, uh, violence is that when there are so many laws and people are breaking so many, like three felonies a day, that's felonies. Forget misdemeanors, forget like, yeah. like so what I'm, the, what I'm okay. is that like, is that now I forgot, I lost the point because somebody can't just not interrupt. Ah, yeah, but, my fault, my fault, everybody. I'm sorry. But like, but I guess what I was saying was that like, um, you people's people's support for these institutions generally comes from a place of how those institutions don't affect them because they're all these people that are supporting them, even though they're supporting an immoral institution on their day-to-day -day, uh, actions, it doesn't affect them because they're already acting generally morally. They're not in the crosshairs because they're acting more or less yeah. in a moral way. So that's mm. where they got the garnering of the support for these assholes comes from because they've, they've, their mindset has been subverted and it's been taken over. The mind control is in there to get these people who already act morally to support the dominators who are acting immorally. As if they're the, the dominators are the ones that are keeping, they're the glue that's holding this whole thing together. It's a pa big thing of paper mache. And then, and, but so like, that's why you hear people saying things like, oh, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, what do you have to worry about? And in a way they're right. But the fact is, is that it doesn't matter if you're doing something wrong or not. You still have to worry about it because these people are dominators and they don't care about you or how, how moral you may be but I'm just saying the mindset of the person who says that type of thing, it, these people, they don't get affected by the dominators often enough to have to think other ways about them because they're already acting morally. They're already doing a, a, a good job of not being violent and not doing, and yeah, they're, they're following a lot of the arbitrary rules, but they're flying under the radar. They're not causing any waves. And that's okay. You're not acting violently. You're doing all right. But it's like this mindset, this support of the dominators. It's that's that's what needs to be kind of weeded out. And COVID yeah. should have taught that to a lot of people of just how quickly it can all be just changed and flipped right against them. But it didn't. It really didn't. And when it comes to, let's say, a certain uh, vaccine being mandated. A lot of people supported that idea because they supported the idea of getting us out of this bullshit pandemic, right? I've ha I had a conversation with somebody who I love very much and she 
was in support of a mandate. And I said, okay, you support a mandate. You support this mandate. Okay, but it sets a precedent. And then further down the line, they could try to mandate another thing that you don't support. But because you supported it now, you'll have no choice then. So you have to think long game. And that conversation, there was a look of, on her face like, hmm. And I could see that, the, that this person who I love very much that didn't really, they were thinking short term. They, and these short term, that's how they get people. Yes. And mindset of supporting the dominators and supporting these things is everything is short term. It's consolidated down into crisis. A, you know what I mean? Like it's all term stuff, but no one thinks long-term anymore. That's what COVID should have taught people is that they use short-term crises for long-term goals. Okay. And they had long-term effects of what they tried to do. They have very long-term effects. Um, But I mean, this isn't, I don't necessarily think this is going to be the COVID conversation, but it's a stark example as to how, a lot of people should have had their eyes open nice and wide to how just quickly all of their control and their authority, their perceived authority, however you want to refer it as, how quickly it can just come crashing down on every single one of us. And it doesn't matter if you support them, if you're behind them or not, they're going to exact their will upon you and hope that you bend to, to it. And, and they don't care if you take them or not. It's like Barry Cooper said, if you have a thin blue line sticker on the back of your car, you're getting pulled over. Right. They think you're a liar. They think everyone is lying to them. Right. They have adrenaline going through their brains all the time. This causes brain damage, right. anxiety. It causes, it causes anxiety. Enough exposure to adrenaline, it causes very bad things. And not even just adrenaline, but I mean, there's, there's something called novelty seeking and that's what adrenaline junkies are. It's a more formal term for being an adrenaline junkie. You're novelty seeking. It has to do with all sorts of things with adrenaline. Adrenaline is a part of your endocrine system. It's the governing, it's the, the internal governing of your hormones and adrenaline has a lot to do with that. And when you start overloading that endocrine system in your body, the effects of that, oh my God, it, it is, we don't have enough time. It hijacks your will. Well, it you can, know, like they it can, can, really they can wield that addiction. They, well, well it, can, it can lead to low dopamine. They can lead to low dopamine. It can lead, like, this is what novelty seeking is 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 it's a lot it's it's dopamine i mean people confuse yeah. it for adhd even so i mean what we're talking about in, in a state of anxiety a constant state of anxiety these people th- these people these police officers who are who are adrenaline junkies they're not they're they're not even of a sound enough mind to be determining whether or not somebody's actually a, a violent person or doing a crime or whatever so we're not we're, we're, con- we're, we're creating an atmosphere, a work a- an environment for these people to, and we're giving, we're, we're, we are giving them, wrap that in quotes, the ability to go out there and discern whether or not another, indivi- another individual is committing a crime. And we're creating a work environment through, our, through everyone's immorality. It's creating an environment 
that is causing these people to have adrenaline coursing through their veins for about like, let's, let's call it three quarters of their day or three quarters of their life. And that adrenaline's causing anxiety. And we're expecting these people to be able to go out there and to say whether or not somebody's committing a crime. They don't have the conscious ability to do so. They lack the conscious ability to even discern whether or not somebody is doing a crime because of what the brain has been formed into due to the circumstances of the job that you're giving them. It's it, also, it also diminishes their ability to say no to their order giver. Well, sure. And then on the flip side, they go home and they there are... Um, it's true, James. There, you can say it. There, there are a lot of cases of police officers going home and being um, and doing domestic violence against their spouse and their children. These are people that are these people are brain damaged due to the job that they took on that they volunteered to do. No one held a gun to their head and said, "You're going to be a police officer." These people volunteered to do the order following because they don't they, even make that much money either. They they're, think they're, they're doing something noble. They're tricked. This is why we have to be humane toward these people and give them a little bit of sympathy for crying out loud. They're not even, they're, they're not even conscious of what they're doing to themselves. Sometimes. Sometimes wow. people like it and they want to go dominate. How many? How many? Well, anyway, um, before we get off on the topic of COVID, uh, <clears throat> I wanted you to show a clip, James, of how bad it is and what they'll do, you could be a nice mother and father, have a nice, beautiful little baby, and the government may want to do uh, their will to that baby. Uh, James has a clip where um, the parents during this COVID time, uh, their son needed a medical operation. So the baby needed a heart transplant. All right, this is out of Australia. And this, oh, was, yeah. this is him. This is back in there. Go ahead. There, this is back in like 2022. And it wasn't they, in New Zealand. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Australia. Oh, okay, okay. And and, and um, the baby needed a heart transplant. The parents said okay. They requested unvaccinated blood. The courts ruled against them. Said uh, you don't. Said that they um, they're just going to use whatever blood they want. Yeah, you're crazy it, conspiracy theorists. Right, and they had volunteers lined up that would that were unvaccinated saying, "I match the blood type of the baby. My blood isn't vaccinated. I'll give as much blood as the baby needs to get through the transplant." Many people donated or the, the wanted courts, to donate. The courts barred that as well. They said you're not allowed to do that. We're going to do whatever we want. And uh I have I have the the clip here. What? Hold on one second. And um, I'll share it because people uh, need to see this. This is how bad it gets. This is where we're at last year. So, you know, this is moving forward from there. Like what, what's next people. So, right. And people just went back to normal, just like that. Yeah. So baby needs anyway, this can you full ear on the telegram? Here. Excuse me. Don't, don't. Wait, what happened? You were showing the telegram, the whole telegram screen. If you could like open up the video first and then uh, share 
just that screen. You know what? Hold on one second. I don't need. I I don't need to do that. I can do this. Okay. Yeah, you got it in your files. Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah, we went back so quick to just this normal reality, quote unquote normal reality, Mm -hmm. and just people didn't even have time to catch up and keep their eyes open from this corruption. Right. This whole. It's a new normal. Yeah, I didn't like the last normal either. <laughs> yeah, me neither, man. Here we go. Think uh, what? So baby needs as much rest as possible, so that he can. Excuse me, what are you doing? Yeah, no, don't, don't do that, boys. Hey, don't do it. Please don't do it. Hey. You guys are criminals! You are criminals! You are conducting a criminal act here! So with the pre-op it needs to happen before the surgery. Hey, we've been talking to you like rational people and now you're just removed. You, you've done it. You are criminals. You... They're stealing her baby. You guys are acting like criminals. You are acting like criminals. All of you are criminals. You are criminals. You are a criminal. You are a criminal. You are a criminal. And so are you. And so are you. Can you guys just give them some space, please? You are a criminal. You will not be part of the surgery tomorrow. We do not authorize any of that. I just want to tell you what's happening. No. We're not listening to what you got to say. Why did you do that? He's going to be okay. No, he is not going to be okay. And we, we need to take him to the surgery. Oh, we, we, we need to take him and we need to do You are criminals. You will be able to see him after the surgery. You guys are criminals. You are going to be recorded in the annals of time as criminals who come in here and take babies from their mothers. Do you understand that? Do you guys are even listening to me? Do you understand that you have just kidnapped a baby from its mother without the consent of their parents? You guys have got to understand that you're criminals. You guys are criminals. Please, You've got to realize that you're now involved in a criminal Did you not see his eyes? 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 No, you do not need to do the operation. They stole that baby, and now they're going to pump him full of vaxxed up blood. And we know what that stuff is like. It it globs up the people... People like the people, phlebotomists and stuff, they can see the difference between vaxxed and unvaxxed blood. It's different. It's going to kill that baby. I don't know what happened to him, but I'm sure he's not healthy at this point. I will. I just need to be with him. I will go with him. You can do what you need to do, but I need to be with him because he needs to be with his mother. Please. Mate, show your humanity. Please. Show your men. Please. I just need to. We will talk to the hospital staff, okay? Hey, what good is that going to do? Shush, shush, shush. You can't just rip him out of the bed like that, please. We 
I am a parent too. Yeah, he goes on to say you don't have to be. Uh, so there's a similar story um, out of Washington State going on at around the same exact time as this one. And so Washington State on, and um, the baby needed blood. And in the United States, they made the same request um, that uh, the, the, they use unvaccinated blood for the, for the infant. And the hospital um, mixed up the bags and gave the baby vaccinated blood. And the, the baby in Washington ended up dying. I don't know, I, I don't know where, what, what happened to this baby in Australia. I don't imagine it's anything good. Um, and even if the baby's alive and thriving, this kind of trauma isn't something the brain ignores, even at that age. So, you know, it's a very traumatic setting. It's, it's a terrible situation all around. Um, you know, I talked about this with Aaron Butler. We did a we did an uh, an episode of my show uh, about order following, and we had this as an exhibit in that show, and we basically came to the conclusion that even if it means you're dead, you fight these people if that situation comes down. And, right. You know, like, and I'm, you know, I'm a pretty peace loving person, and I'm sitting there going, "Geez, what are you gonna do?" You know, and Aaron's like, "Fuck that, you fight," and I'm like, "You're right, yeah," and. Yeah. yeah, the wife had the mom had more fight. She was trying to go, and the dad was standing back, just yelling. Like I got kind of mad at that. I mean, well, I was yeah. mad at the whole thing. Like, and the the cops standing there, yeah. like just taking it. And then they're like, "Yeah, well, I don't want to do this, but it's my job." Uh. Exactly. They always the, say that. It's like, yeah, uh, and that that's the most that like that they they say it as a way where it's like we're gonna we're gonna dis we're we're going to like, um. 
we're, we're going to talk you down off the ledge. We're going to calm the situation down by being like, I'm a person just like you. I don't want to be doing this, but Hey, I need a paycheck. It's just like, and people, <laughs> his paycheck people, is to steal babies. Too. People, people fall for that psychological manipulation, yeah. fall for it. But the, yeah. that, that approach to the situations is what makes these people so dangerous. That's what makes them so psychopathic is they'll tell you right to your face that they don't want to do it. The first time I got arrested, I was 16 years old. This was back in like 2005 and I, or 2006 and I'm getting arrested for like 0.2, like not even a full gram of cannabis and a pipe. And it was like this bat box, situation. Right? Yeah. The bat box incident. And I gave him that. <laughs> Sean bailed me out that night. Yeah. <laughs> this man. is, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, the hands behind your back treatment. And I turned to the cop and I go, you don't have to do this. You know, and, and I'm like telling him, you don't have to do this. This isn't a big deal. You don't have to do this. You can just throw it on the ground to confiscate it, whatever. Let me go. You don't have to do this. And, no, the response was, yes, we do. You know, we've got to do our jobs. And like, I, you know, I almost actually caught a resisting arrest charge too, because I ripped my hand away from him. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't got to do this. And, like, and that's considered violence. That's considered a violent charge too. So, so that, yeah, <clears throat> just another. I got that too, because I tried to run. Yeah. And two it's, cops like beat me down, put my face on the pavement. And then when they found that I had basically chafe in my bat box, like just shake, you know, little, not even. What are you they running? were like, yeah, why are you running? All you got is this? Because I had like a backpack. I was going to photography school and they were like, I was at a train station and yeah. like, oh, go get them. Like, and I'm like, you know, all I had was like photography stuff and like, you know, a bat box. But they were like, well, we have to arrest you now because you right. ran and it was on camera. So we got to bring it. And they put me in the wagon with this dude who was selling crack, like, and he had like all kinds of money and like bags of crack and he was stashing it in the van. And because of that, they had to like, he was saying, oh, it was his, you know, yeah. to blaming me just because I'm in the same van. And then I had to deal with them having to like, oh, well, now we got to search you. Now you got to be naked because he said something because you had chafe in your bat box. And, you know, and I had two years over my head. Like, that's why I was running, you know, like I was on probation. You know I mean? It, it, it's like, of course I'm going to run like what the hell? And that's like a violent charge. And I mean, uh, there's, they just want you to comply. If you don't comply, then we're going to get you. We're going to have two cops, like, put your face in the pavement. And, you know, um, it's, uh, I didn't even think about telling stories. Like, we got stories. I've been to jail for selling cannabis to my friends. You know what I mean? Like, I got stories upon stories, if you want to. I, oh, I've, so been to I. I've been to jail because I, I've been to jail because I failed a drug test for cannabis. Right. Well, I got lugged. I got lugged back to jail for saying "yeet." <laughs> you did? Yeah, dude. God. They put me back oh. in boot camp. They were like, Deb Fenari was like, "You see how easy it is to put you back in boot camp?" Oh, I graduated God. boot camp. Did you tell Fenari to eat the bun? 
Is it that? Dude, there was as they were pulling me into the the cops were like bringing me back to jail. I had already done boot camp. I was on the bracelet. I was going and doing everything. Yeah. And the lady was teaching at this like you know all day drug thing. She was like teaching GED to people, and I've already got a diploma. And she, everybody was making noise, and I was like, "Yeet!" She turned around, started yelling at me. The next day, I got lugged, dude. They brought me back to the prison, and they, <laughs> dude, the fucking the the cops that were bringing me back, they were like, "I don't know what what did you fail a drug test? No." They're like, "What did you do something wrong? No." And I said, "The only thing I can think of is I said yeet." And as we were pulling into the parking lot. There was a yeet sticker on one of the cars in the parking lot, dude. It's like, it's not even a crime. It's not even a swear word. It's like a noob report thing and whatever. It's like, you know, it's a slang in some ways. It's whatever. It's there's bumper stickers. What is it? What is yeet? Y-E-A-T. It's like, it's like a, this sucks. I hate that. You know, it's a bull. It's a load. Newburyport, of crap. Newburyport, uh, Massachusetts is a major port town in Massachusetts, and yeah. it was actually, in fact, up for the running for the state capital at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. For Boston, we don't want to go that far off, but anyways, it's, it's, but like Yeet was basically like you'd walk into a pub at a different port and go Yeet, and anyone that goes Yeet is also from Newburyport. It's kind of yeah, like okay. it's it's just a common. That's but how like locals like use it like f off this sucks like uh, yeah. you know like whatever yeah. that's how i was okay. saying and like i don't want to listen to ged bullshit i already got a diploma it's like a waste of time <laughs> and you know and she like rah, rah, yelled at me and i was like what whoa and then i got lugged back and then they were like we're gonna put you through another 10 weeks of boot camp <laughs> because we can and they brought me down and they gave me new clothes they shaved my head they shaved my beard off they sent me down to, to lunch and they were like now it's just you with the drill instructors until like you got to wait two weeks until boot camp starts. So I had to do 12 weeks. I was like, what the F? And they're like, we can just do this. Nothing you can do. And then after lunch, Deb Fanari brought me back. He's like, see how easy it is? Now go home. He like sent me home with a new haircut. And then so- I went, and then I was at the AA meeting at the end of the night and everybody's like, oh my God, what happened? Like they saw me get lugged off of the, like I was cleaning up the highway and then the cops came and took me away. And then by the end of the night, I was at the meeting and they were like, what happened? They, they can just do this because I'm their property, you know, according to them, like I was on the bracelet. So like, that's still jail, you know, and they're, they deem it uh, they're that they're allowed to do so. Um, I don't know. I don't want to like go go much further i know we've been it's already been a couple hours here yeah yeah well we but i'd be probably... i'd be glad to do stories maybe in another show someday or whatever we should. yeah i had a lot of stories too maybe we <laughs> yeah. should probably wrap this up soon um but i want to wrap it up with some answers some some uh you know solutions to some of this and okay bring in you know our the right ideals of what the society should be because um yeah i got stories for days and i think it would almost be a fun <laughs> addendum to this show even maybe we can yeah. do that another time uh but uh i think we need to show the audience you know okay so here's the problem now what what can we pull out of this to uh, can show people like you know what kind of society we should be living in uh, the kind of society that we should be living living in is that of a of a moral society. Correct. 
mor- morality is the key. It is the it is the answer. Objective morality needs to be understood and uh, and lived by in order to really remedy a lot, many, if not all, the major problems that we face as we go forward into this hellscape that's been built up around us that and that we're forced to live in by those who wish to control us. So, I mean, understanding objective morality, the objective difference between right and wrong and how it applies to each and every individual who can understand it equally is the first and major step toward living in a more free world. Right. By that, he means do no harm and take no shit. Exactly. And having a principled approach to life itself is the next step. The third step would be to really speak after understanding these things, speak to anyone that will give you five minutes of their time. And then they'll, they'll probably either ignore you forever or they'll give you another five minutes and another after that. <laughs> and the people that ignore you forever, you just got to leave them. But I mean, when it comes to the police, it can be very nerve wracking and it can be very, it can be very intimidating because that's their whole job is to intimidate. But you need to have the courage that when you know that you've done nothing violent and they wish to impose their authority, their perceived authority upon you, you need to call them out for it. Even if it lands you in deeper shit with them, you need to call them out for it. It's the only way that we're ever going to get uh, a leg up and to get any sort of wind in our sails when it comes to waking even the most mind-controlled of us who are the police. Waking them up is going to be the toughest thing. And speaking up about how they're acting immorally right to their faces when they're doing so is the most peaceful and honest way to make a difference. And if you need to defend yourself, that's up for you. I can't tell you um, what to do. I can suggest. My fir- and my suggestion is to speak first. And if it doesn't work and you, it, you, you need to figure it out for yourself is what I'm saying. But um, when, they're, when they're acting immorally, you really need to... <laughs> You need to tell them, have some courage and speak. That's the first thing. These and people think- act like if they're, you know, a lot of people won't act because they think somebody else is going to do it. Mm. So make sure. Bystander effect. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Corbett did a thing. Uh, yeah. So um, that's a, that's important. Like those people with, with, when George Floyd was getting stepped on, they were just watching. They didn't do anything. They was- yelled a bunch. Like somebody could have gone and just pushed him off. What are you going to do? Oh, I guess I'll get arrested too, but at least he's not going to die. Yeah. You know? So it's up to us to like really, you know, with nonviolence, like just pushing a cop off of somebody who's who they're dominating. Like, I mean, you know, in, in some circles, that's a duty, you know, like with the, you know, the Grateful Dead and stuff like the, the fans will help you get away from cops. Like, that's just what they do. Uh, And they'll bring you, they'll even bring you back your drugs and be like, here you go. (laughs) And, you know, uh, because they know the fight, they know what's going on. And like, they work together. And it's really a a 
you know, it, everybody should work that way. And it's not just for the drugs, for everything. Yeah. I would like to create alternatives. Uh, I would like to think, I'm sorry, Sean. Oh, you go ahead. You go ahead. I, I would like to take this opportunity to point everybody to our friend Etienne de la Buisi, uh, yeah. his, his project. Um, he is the founder of the art of Liberty foundation. So you can go to art of Liberty found, uh, I'm sorry. Let me start over again artofliberty.org forward slash thick red line. And there, so let me talk to you about the thick red line project. The thick red line project is an effort to restore respect for law enforcement by abolishing victimless crime. Victimless crimes are not really crimes and make the cops the criminals. A real crime, by definition, has a perpetrator and a victim. So we're talking about murder, assault, rape, theft, and extortion. Those are all obvious crimes because there is a victim. Politicians and bureaucrats frequently institute illogical, immoral, and counterproductive, quote, laws, or just politician scribbles, that penalize peaceful, nonviolent people for the, quote, crimes that have no victim like drug possession, gambling, and making arrests for ignoring COVID-19 lockdown at the time and social distancing orders at the time. These are examples of victimless crimes where politicians attempt to get the police to use violence immorally and preemptively on overwhelmingly peaceful people frequently to raise revenue or enforce their version of morality on a population. When the police use violence and coercion against peaceful people for victimless crimes. Um, and there's really no, no way to just sugarcoat this. Okay. This makes the cops, the criminals who are engaged in kidnapping and extortion under the control. I'm sorry, under the color of law, the thick red line project is organizing the police to say no to the organized crime government on lockdowns, mask mandates, and other victimless crimes. Okay. So, I want to point everybody to artofliberty.org forward slash thick red line to learn more about this because this is how we get the police to wake up and it's not necessarily anti-cop, it's anti-violence, right? It's mostly anti-violence. This is where we start, okay? Eventually, yes, we want to be able to live in a world where there aren't law enforcement officers, where there aren't governments, yes. This is that, that, but this is a means to an end, peaceful means to an end, where we're rolling it back. Might not see it in our lifetimes. I pray to God, maybe we do. But we, I, I really am a proponent of peace. There comes a time where it's going to be time, you know, to defend myself and my loved ones. And I don't want that day to come. I really don't. But we need to be able to give everyone a chance as best we can to be able to wake up and, and take control over themselves, you know? So this is one avenue to explore when it comes to solutions, you know? Um, That's great. The, the oh, biggest- Yeah, they have a, they, there's a handbook, starter pack, and they, there's, there's materials that they, you can share with the police in your area to help get the word out, right? Right, and you can become a, a thick red line, uh, you know, like a, um, 
you can become like a like an advocate for this in your local communities right and this is a this is a real a real way yeah to um good old alexander spooner on the page that's great to to enact change of course you know change uh you got to change yourself first of course you know um but like you really gotta it has to start somewhere you know right and And it starts like you said uh changing their minds with speech and this is great materials that you can help to uh you know propaganda for truth right propaganda for heart-based caring for your neighbors and your loved ones right so that we don't see violence like this in this comic strip right here right because true anarchy isn't throwing bricks through windows and Molotov cocktails and smashing shit up and burning cities down. That's not true anarchy. Anarchism is a condition, a condition just like the condition of slavery that we're in, only it's the actual opposite of the condition of slavery that we're in. Anarchism is a condition of true, unadulterated freedom. And that's where we need to be in order to bring real peace to nature and creation itself. And to do so is going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of effort on the part of every single person. And it it takes care. And if you don't care, you're going to get churned under and spit out. You're going to get chewed up and spit out by this thing called life. And I don't want that to happen to anyone, including the police. I'm, I'm throwing the government to the wind. I don't care about the police. the, The police have been, like I was trying to say earlier, right? they've been tricked into doing something that they perceive as noble, and then they go and do all this violent shit. Right. You know? They all They're think, under way more mind control than the regular public oh, is. Oh, yeah. That's why they deserve yeah. a little bit of sympathy, because they're under a lot of fucking mind control. Right. And, you know, but when you have to defend yourself, you that's, have to defend yourself, and it's very important to do so. And that's where we're at. You know, and we, but, we, need the, we need to take back the strong men of our society away from the military and the police and bring them back to their mothers and their grandmothers and their children to defend themselves and their homes from the real enemy that wants to jab them up and steal their babies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, the government stealing away all the strong men and filling them full of adrenaline to go kill them over there is making us vulnerable. Right. We need to stay home and be three percenters. We need to, you know, actually stand and be be there as the barrier to protect those that we care about. Yeah. Uh, we don't need a badge for that. No. No. And we could we could, you know, even under the even under the in the bound within the boundaries of natural law, we are allowed to form a posse and go defend the community. When the when the case may call call for it, right. so it's a, a child gets kidnapped, you form a posse, you go out and you find the kid, you bring the person to street justice, you right. perform real justice, real not justice. this bureaucratic right. bullshit that the fucking let government the, makes the, go through. You, yeah, let, so let the the men of the family of the victim that that was like let them do the justice instead of this. Yeah, you know the monopoly on violence that police have. If there's a domestic uh, disturbance next door and the neighbor is calling for help, let me go defend. Let me go help. 
let, let me go help put a stop to the violence. That's this right. is where we all cheer for, for people that are brave enough to go run headfirst into a violent situation and say, I'm going to put a stop to that. We all cheer yep. for people that do that. And sometimes that means that that person looks like a police officer, you know? So it, it's, it's a very, very, uh, it's a very volatile situation when it comes down to it. They've but removed bravery from society. They've removed they have, that element, you know, and they, because people like, oh, someone else will do it. Someone else exactly. will do it. Oh, you know, oh, well, the police will do it. We'll just call the them. Yep. Yeah, we'll just call them. Like, yeah. you know, but we've already explored that it's not their duty to defend the public. Now, is it? Okay. They can do it if they want. They can do it if they want. There's nothing stopping them from doing it. But if they don't, they have a fallback. They don't have any. They don't have any consequences for not doing those things. Okay. Yeah, but that's so, not their that's not their goal to protect and serve, and we know that's true. And uh, it's about domination mm -hmm. of the population. It's about keeping control of people that want to be free. They know that there is a latent rebellion brewing, and so they're going to lock us down. They're going to use jail terminology to lock down society and show us that they can do this to us just by their will and words and people got to wake up because those you know will and words is what it takes for you know the cop to to bust into your house whoops wrong house but they shot your wife and kids oh we thought there was drugs there you know what who cares if there's drugs there? You busted into our house like, oh, whoops, it was a mistake. Uh, here's some money, yeah. you know? And what money is it? It's the taxpayer's money. Yeah. Like they're not really fixing anything. They're just like slapping paint on it and moving on. Go shoot the right. next guy, you know? Right. Um, we didn't it's even, not a color thing. We, yeah. We, we didn't even scratch the surface tonight with how yeah. all these people no. act. But there's, there's, they're they're on a daily basis they're they're doing they're breaking into the wrong houses they're shooting people's fucking dogs they're shooting yeah. the fucking dudes at, at the wrong houses at the wrong addresses that they're showing up at to they shoot dogs on purpose just because they they think it's fun yeah they yeah, lin mass that, they... that guy they shot in new york sorry to interrupt uh Please. was um selling cigarettes remember that guy he was selling individual cigarettes and the cops shot him yeah. Yeah, they choked him to death. Or is that well, that was did? the that was the Eric, Eric the big guy, right? Yeah, the, that was yeah. The, yeah. He was selling cigarettes, right? He was selling Lucy's, and they 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 choked him to death. Yeah. But they they do what they want when they want to whoever they want, right? And they have and they have the backing of the government to make excuses for them, just like the psychological mafia. They. They dominate people's minds with drugs, just like the government and the TV dominating our, our worldview. Like just the cops are another piece of it to dominate us and to give us learned helplessness and to think, oh, well, I won't step out of line. Oh, that's a new law. Oh, I guess I got to You know, like that, that act of 1680, they posted it everywhere, every, every, six, months. every six months so that everyone knew that you know you have oh, to yeah. go you have to go beat the crap out of these people and we'll give you tobacco and sick and money or whatever i mean it's it's uh the it's the mind control that's what it takes and uh that's the real uh the real enemy is the mind control and the the fact that they're a cop 
is a result of the statism and of the, you know, the levels of mind control that that person is under. Uh, it manifests itself as a dominator. And, you know, the Satanists are like, great. Now we got, you know, another enforcer for our ranks. You know, um, it's it's the same as filling the ranks of Satanism, of, of like, you know, the higher orders of government with the people aggregated in the satanic, uh, the church of Satan. I mean, they, they understand the psychology. We can use this. Boom. They put them where they go, like to, to keep the, the clamps down on all of us. Um, and yes, you can say no. Yes. The cops are people too. And yes, it is an imaginary. It's an illusion. It's just a costume. Just like Loomis said at the beginning of the show, it's just a, it's an imaginary thing. And when we wake up and say, actually, no, you can't violate my rights. Sorry. I'm going to say no. And when the cop confronts that, they're going to be shocked at first, like, huh? <laughs> then they're going to think about it, hopefully. And maybe they dominate, they, maybe they physically dominate you, but they're, you know, it's not, this is, uh, even if you have to go to jail, whatever, uh, say no. Do something nonviolent, make a difference, find a way of making an alternate, like, don't try to, don't call the cops, don't use the cops against your friends as a, as a battering ram, like, like, don't, if you're angry at your neighbor, don't call the cops, like, that is using, uh, using the, that's like, like, telling the slave owner oh he did something like beat the other slave like yeah it's it's really uh it's people need to look at them look at what's going on and, and make sure that they do the right actions and there are other ways of managing situations than calling the cops and uh cops don't ever save you they just make paperwork like they're never they're not going to bust in and, and save you they they don't so you need to arm arm yourself, protect yourself. Um, that's very important because Absolutely. it's obviously not their duty. Yeah. And uh, I just want to make sure we got those points before we're done. Yeah, well said, both of you guys. Awesome. I I I mean, this seems like an overwhelming problem for probably anybody listening because it's like, well, it's such so established in our society that this is how things are but we need to start taking it back little by little and and if we can at least you know speak the truth to these people and show them that this is immoral and this is not right and more people start saying the same thing then at least we have some ground that we're we're breaking here because otherwise i mean yeah it does seem a little bit hopeless like oh we'll stop the police but we have to start somewhere and i think more and more people like i said earlier from these covid times can start to kind of hopefully uh wake up from a bit of this you know and uh i appreciate you guys coming on i really i there's so much more to be said i think but um i think this is a good start and i've been through so many times where i have been violated by cops thrown on the ground and everything you can imagine pretty much just and then it wears off and you kind of forget about it. You kind of go, oh, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. But remember that 
any situation this could come about. And uh, even though I came from a, a, a youth that was troubled and went through that kind of thing. So yes, cops targeted me more. It doesn't matter because it's they're still out there. They're still tr at any moment you could be a victim of these immoral thugs. And I, that's all it takes for you to go, wow, this is the society we live in. So I think it's important to always remember that too. Because sometimes like I haven't been messed with, knock on wood, I haven't been messed with by cops in a long time. So I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, you know, you you'd subtly go back to sleep, but we should never go back to sleep on this ever. Right. It's still in your subconscious though. Yeah. You still like get that fear when they're behind you in the car and like, yeah. you still like, um, it's, yeah. It it puts you like you like subconsciously you might not think about it, but you are under duress at all times when these people uh, are around you, yeah. you know, because of what they've done to you and what the potential of what they could do to you. And like you both have said, like they they could change their mind and make a new law and boom. You know, oh, we don't like white people now. Uh, you know, you're oh, you think two genders are real. Uh, you go to jail now you know look at what the nazis did like look at what uh they you know it's it's obvious that once people have made this mass formation like they can be wielded by the dictator to create the new world order that they seek and that's you know they want to take apart america they want to tear it down uh so they're using this violence this racial thing and they're, you know, if if they get rid of the police and they control the DAs and they let all the violent people out, then they're going to have a need for a strong ruler to come in and sweep up the streets and do the order that they wanted, you know. Um, so, like, people got to watch out for what's actually happening. Take, you know, be aware. Um, thank you for your time, Loomis, and uh, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, my pleasure to have um, you guys on. I appreciate yeah. it. And so uh, you guys want to plug your 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 sites and your shows? And sure. James first, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I have a show called A Hitchhiker's Guide to Truth. Uh, you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. You find it on the One Great Work Network uh, at onegreatworknetwork.com. Or you can come right on over to my website, freeyourmindne.com uh, that's free your mind new england and you can check out my website and and everything um and sean and i of course uh we co-host together black pill digest which is a once a month show we go live every uh well i go live every saturday night for the most part and um and Sean and I take the last Saturday. We try to do the last Saturday of every month to do a black pill digest where we take a dive down some of the darkest rabbit holes known to man in hopes to, uh, in hopes to drag that darkness back into the light to empower people to be able to critically think and to, um, really build up that mental fortitude that's necessary to combat the twisted, and never-ending, supposed never-ending assault, assault that we're, yeah. you know, that we're being victim to. 
right our minds and it's like there's never ending topics of shows it's just like yeah. oh we got to do this oh we got to do this like our oh. last one was six hours <laughs> yeah it was pretty ruthless but we're we're we got some clips and we're doing some you know in the beginning usually we have like about two hours of interview and it's a round table where uh we share like you know and we'll have different guests and uh and then we shift into like uh clips and we show you know all of the the pieces that that show best that we found uh the ideas that we've been discussing and yeah. um and so, so the, some I, some things have been really good like important stuff that people should have heard before so like yeah. some of them are kind of long like the the education one had like a, a couple hours of john taylor gatto but everything he said was perfect and like people have to hear it. So like we included it, we just put it at the end. So if you have a long attention span and you choose to, you can stick with us the whole show. And, uh, you know, but the first couple hours we have guests and, uh, it's really interesting and we do a really good job. I'm really proud of yeah. it. Yeah. You guys do an awesome job. I, I when does this come deep, out? Deep dive into the subjects. I love it. Yeah. Loomis, when does, when does this podcast come out? Um, well, it comes out whenever. Usually, I do every Thursday, but um, this one's yeah. gonna come out in a couple of days. Okay. Uh, so, for the listeners, to, if it's coming out, uh, we're recording this on the twentieth. Yeah. So the next time Black Pill Digest goes live is May twenty seventh at nine p.m. Eastern, and you can find the live stream at freeyourmindne.com forward slash live, or um, Odyssey, and the channel is Black Pill Digest on Odyssey. And uh, if you really like Sean and I, uh, the dynamic that we have, you can check out. Oops. Sorry, sorry, man. Uh-oh. Oh, he's muted. You're muted, James. Oh, sorry. I think I accidentally did that. On me. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying um, to censor so... you, man. Censor me, bro. Anyways, uh, so if the listening audience likes uh, Sean and I, uh, you know, together, come over to freeyourmindany.com and check out where we got our start, which was in my garage recording podcasts on my cell phone. And uh, back in the, the year, you know, 2020, and, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, the scandemic. We were in my garage talking about Tool and a couple of other subjects. And the only place you can find those podcasts is at my website, freemindne.com. So, nice. you know, this is this is where we cut our teeth. On yeah. Like we really did. Yeah. Like Sean and I, this was before. I don't even think I was calling it a hitchhiker's guide to, to, to truth at that time. Wake the Dead didn't even exist oh. at that time. And we were just... It did shortly after. Yeah, uh, that the next winter, like I started, um, but yeah, yeah, or that like was it 2020 or was it? Yeah, 2020? it was. Yeah, it was because I remember, I remember you were just about to go back home to Ohio, and I right. helped set set it up, and I was like, here you go. Oh, yeah, the podcast. Yeah, he he like I was like hemming and hawing, and yeah, I should do it. So anyway, like James like helped me, and he put it in my hand. He's like, there, it's that easy. I was like, oh, okay. And he like fixed it up on my phone. <laughs> So, but anyway, I'm thankful to James for, and um, I'm glad that that's still recorded and we still have that. Um, and yeah, my show is Wake the Dead and you can find that uh, everywhere podcasts are available. 
and uh, pretty much everywhere. And I have an Odyssey bit shoot, Rumble, and and I, you know, I do a lot of. Uh, I, you can find everything that I that I post. I I put on onegreatworknetwork.com slash Sean hyphen McCann, and on that page you can find uh, there's a link to my I make I have designs. I'm graphic designer and photographer and I make t-shirts it's something that's a it's a way of expressing that visual you know uh, art I guess and so I uh, you can get my t-shirts uh, there's a lot of anarchist designs and uh, there's a lot of um, you know some of the shirts you got to have balls uh, one of the shirts it says in big letters on the back it says all cops are bad <laughs> And on the front, it's got this, uh, my image here of the three percenter Phoenix. And, um, you know, you, you gotta be kind of tough to, to be, but you gotta be able to, you know, we gotta have some balls and we gotta have, you know, we gotta say it, you know, my, my wife doesn't like it when I wear it around her parents or like when I go out with my son and stuff, but you know, I'm, you know, anyway, so if you, if that kind of, if that tickles you, you can visit storefrontier.com slash wake the dead and you can see some of my designs and they're all available there and um so that's pretty much everything i've done a lot of work and i'm looking forward to expanding on my new things that i'm going to be doing so i'm very happy uh to you know the journey that i'm on and uh, you know i like the way it's unfolding and i'm so glad to be here today with the both of you and thank you so much Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys for coming on, and you guys do awesome work. So we'll we'll uh, we'll connect more. Wonderful. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, all right. That is some um, solid <clears throat> truth speaking, backed by knowledge of our natural rights, natural law, and I'm happy to be able to work with people like that because that's the kind of truth speaking, a level of truth speaking that I like to get to on Chan It Down because um, I like to cover a, a variety of subjects, but we always need to bring it back to understanding our situation on this planet. It's, 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 a, it's a really important if we don't understand our situation on this planet and bringing it down to that level of critique, taking the critique where it needs to go. Um, so what it, it, I know this has been a long episode, so if you're sticking with me all now, then just stick me me to the end. This is a short a little addendum here, uh, but I just wanted to go over a story that I have, and um, just to say though, the the controller's worst nightmare is that we would have a sharp-minded, critical thinking mass of people awaken and do what is right on this planet, and. What they've needed this whole time and what they've had is order followers in order to block humanity from thriving on this planet. And that would be the role of police. And it may seem, you know, harsh to say because like we went over, there are police that do good deeds. But in the overall role of an officer or overseer, we have a problem that whatever orders they're given, whether they're moral or not, are followed. 
And that's the real issue is that we have that going on and people not saying no to these things. So um, if, and this is a hard one too because it's generations deep in our society to have law enforcement. And it seems like it's just a part of the normal cogs in our machine, but we have to understand that we are in a world built on the wrong thing, built off of the wrong thing, and so on. So we're really far from humanity's natural state and what we're supposed to be living here on the planet. So if you are in law enforcement and listening to this or watching this, then you will probably be offended. But the best thing that you can do is take this knowledge and quit what you're doing and become a truth seeker just like us. You know, us here on this show today are just people that do this in our spare time because we find the message that important that we need to give this out on our free time. Okay, so anyway, so if you are with the police, the best thing you can do is realize this and go through a process, which may not be easy, but quit and do something that actually really is good for the better, better uh, humanity. So I want to tell you the story a little bit I have about, um, this is in 1996. Um, I, so normally, you know, the best thing to do is confront police, talk to them, and tell them, you know, the truth and, and everything. But in a situation like this, especially when I was 18, um, I, we, this is around when I was 18, I think. Yeah, so the, 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 the setting is at a park at night. Okay, this is about like 11 or 12 at night after hours and we're on mushrooms. We're peaking on mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms. And, you know, we're, we're having conversations that are about the mind expanding universe some amazing, amazing things talking about, you know, in a totally different realm. And all of a sudden, two cop cars come rolling up, driving over the curb onto the grass right toward us. So what we did is we ran. And why we ran is because, well, if we, first of all, we're on mushrooms. We don't want to be dealing with cops on mushrooms, most likely get arrested for being in a park after hours with psychedelic mushrooms and a little bit of weed on us. And, you know, these are just plants. In reality, we're in a place that taxpayers paid for already with plants that grow off the earth which are completely, you know, natural, and we could have got totally busted. So we all ran instantly. It was just like, okay, we're not going to spend our time in a holding cell or in the back of a car, you know, uh, uh, on mushrooms. So we ran. And we ran um, to the corner of this park where there's a fence and then thorn bushes. Well, we jumped the fence. We, there was about five of us. We jumped the fence, except for one friend who was the slowest behind us now you know picture you know cops coming out of their cars with flashlights bouncing all around you can see the flashlights you know um ahead of us and we're we're trying to get over this fence and everything and then my my last friend he he got over the fence but the cop grabbed his foot and he went managed to kick the cop in the face and lose his shoe 
and we're all rummaging through the thorn bushes, you know, just, just tearing us up. Just the thorns are just like ripping um, through, uh, through our skin as we run. And, you know, picture this because this is on psychedelics. We're talking about, we're talking about the scale of 11 on 1 to 10, the intensity level, okay? So running from cops on mushrooms, going through bushes and, well, um, you know, made it out the other side, um, hiding behind cars, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, we all got split up. This is before cell phones, you know, no one really had cell phones, so we were just split up. We don't know where we're at. Um, you know, eventually what happened was... Uh, 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 we all split up, but I, I saw a friend of mine come out of a recycling bin and he had been hiding. And so we, we paired up and, you know, we hid and ran and hid and ran for at least a couple miles and, uh, we lost him. And so we didn't know, you know, if our other friends were okay, we had no idea. It was very intense. Uh, left our cars at the park too, you know? So I ended up going to my girlfriend's house at the time. And, you know, we kind of settled there until morning. And then in that following morning, we went <clears throat> to uh, the park and their car our cars were there. They weren't even messed with, I guess, because they didn't know they belonged to us. So it was perfect. But that's a victory story of getting away. And I thought I'd just add that to this, this episode just to, just to, you know, a little for the entertainment factor. And I'm going to leave you with a song. <clears throat> that we made because of this about running from cops as I have uh, been was a hip-hop artist for many years and this show this this song actually was performed on stage by a group of us uh, at the time living on the west coast <clears throat> with a, a, a group of us from different parts of the west and um, what we came up with was this song I was never very uh, very like inspired by my verse which is the first verse in the song because uh, my recording didn't come out perfect. It wasn't like the best delivery of the verse, but um, that's just me being hypercritical. And I hope you enjoy. I'm gonna leave you with this, and you know, and and uh, please support us as true speakers. Um, you know, support the work of James Cordner and Sean McCann as they <clears throat> put their heart into this as well, and uh, listen to their works. And if you haven't listened to me before, uh, on the 10th year of Chant It Down. So much love, you guys. Be a warrior, not a warrior. Chant it down. Much love. Similar, I'm sitting in the thickets in the undergrowth. I'm hidden, but I'm guessing that they're figuring I'm somewhere close. I need to know their whereabouts to carry out. I'm moving to be fooling their computers and resumers trying to find me. Amongst the bushes and shrubbery channels, high beams. I hear them looking and rummaging, packing dry leaves. It's what it took to discover me and now high speed. Till I step and start tumbling, but I don't, don't stop. Now I'm loosening a running spree. I was spotlighted. I tried to dodge. Tried to hide by the night camouflage. But my silhouette was spotted, so full of fat. I tried to down the boulevard. I'm followed by an officer anonymous. He's a militant, delirious, influenced by amphetamines. Given opportunity and excuses just to validate it. Not afraid to step on with a weapon and pressing a lesson with his ethical and that is a preference. His footsteps hitting the pavement, anger. Cause he saw me see him picking up a call girl for a blowjob and a trade for the serves a pack of Marlboros with a whole slap. So when we met, out of eye with no haste, he emerges from an alley rushing out me, calling for backup, stash and badge. Not a chance of guessing the match. And he went to the precinct. Does he think he'll beat me? Be on recognition to report a homie in for his quota. Some promotion approaching. I hear the folks from the neighborhood. Locals at whole pitch force and then 
and cater to victims of corruption Watching my back, these citizens scoped out cops to attack Caught in the act and he runs to the path Another instance of the sinister men with a gun in the bath When I see him I pretend like I'm a runner for track Cause they wanna harass you and corrupt the half of them Then on the way back I saw a part of my shadow grew And the popo came up and said to me Freeze motherfucker don't move Yeah right why you think I'm sporting running shoes The one I catch my mug in the news or in the paper so I'm out without a trace or a clue Tasting the vapor as I ran through A cloud of pepper spray I'm up a blocking down an alleyway Thinking should I go or should I stay If I could've hit the highway Need to find a place but they won't find me I got to leave the crime scene I'm thinking about the high beams And like a bolt of lightning The thunder right behind me Hit a rustle of the weaponry Pick it up a step of three And dust anybody in the EPD Just to be free And now the reach of their utilities You can't skill agility I feel I'm high stilly So I exit over fences through front lawn Letting out the dogs as a hunt song Taping up their butt tongs Trying to get me thumped on In the pen with pumps on I had a seatbelt run on You should've turned it too strong I'm already gone Leaving someone else to pin on Cause me and cops don't get along So catch me I'ma run my dollar Keep me cuffed the wrist the raw Scripting didn't fit Cause they were quick on the draw But then you would pull up like the law Vulnerable youth is all you saw I would like to stay in jam With the members of my band But you wouldn't understand I didn't get a ticket in my hand So fuck a cop Fuck a cop I had to run up a block Looking for some cover rocks Standing on my feet Making noise Hoping that my boys don't get broke huh. Hoping I'm not the poison No yeah. Now I'm looking through the bushes And the cops on the other side With the flashlight Shining on a path right Off of the one on my own I thought that my cover was blown I got up the fucking phone But I didn't I waited I hesitated Cause it would have been a mistake If I gave up my location And gave them all a reason To even want to fucking be a policeman But then I heard Freeze And I was gone with the freeze My Nikes Was serving the purpose Turning the earth as I merged with the trees Hands, leaves, elbows, knees Exhale Freeze I came together with my body To form an incredible speed It went alleyway fence Alleyway fence Oh shit I better find a better way To get to my hideaway Cause I bet that they're riding the way And getting excited to ride up the ticket And file a complaint That took me away I thought I'm a favorite song By NWA But I know the neighborhoods From bottom to top And I'm far from getting caught By a punk ass cop And it don't stop To the beat y'all And we don't stop For police y'all Till all it goes on And all my whole crew gets gone When they see the po po Pulling up on the lawn It's like bring me alarm And I'm gone midnight I'm up and not even Without my shoes on Off out of the gates running from cops Beat over feet Increase the beat of freedom Beat them with a pitter patter On the pavement Sweaters dripping from the native Of the neighborhood They made him dash into a vacant lock Crackle of the gravel rock <laughs> Motherfucker stop While I'm dropping from the top of a fence Johnny wants to color a perk But the problem is The notion of him catching me is absurd Cause speed is my camouflage My body blurred Turn on the afterburner Leave the nerd in the dirt I bone out like OJ I fuck on blame trails with haste Unfortunately got much time to money to waste And that can lead to a chase A rock in a hard place If you got warrants It takes the face Elevate them knocks Run away from the cops Run away from the cops Just do it, just do it. If you're driving down the street in a beat up car, you're getting rolled by the phone no matter who you are. But if you have dark skin, you better watch your back because police and Eugene, they don't approve of that. When you hear 5 0, then it's time to split. Don't wear white clothes, they'll find you quick. Just keep in mind, they are the fuzz. They cheat and lie, they are corrupt. They want to tax my wages. This will another prison so that they can put me in it for a crime that I didn't commit. And even if I did, I did it because I'm an independent individual who won't just give in the living under police control. They don't pay no criminals, it's job security. The justice industry. But I couldn't squeeze a drop of sympathy out the flag When I rang it, I'm not proud When they hang it, I roll my eyes to the sides When they try to persuade us with the latest propaganda Always trying to take advantage Uncle Sam has got a plan to totally rip the fucking planet But anytime we try to stand up and fight in the manner we be heard We get beat to the dirt Complete with the works And treated like jerks Oh, I see how it works Opposing the rules and breaking the law Tear gas, grenade, pepper spray, cotton flaw And the laws got me living like a slave, you know Better behave and don't ever complain, you don't Just entertain yourself 35 frames at a time Until your brain just melts And you destroy your mind And the police were there the whole time Another fine to keep respect to the ground